0: But I, I just think that he's in a really good spot he's gonna break out he, he absolutely was my wide receiver one last year and you know it's easy to say you would take Puka Nakua over him now but if I was redrafting that season he would be at worst my second just to look at Lamar and figure out how to not take a big hit he needs to do stuff like that and he'll be just fine he didn't have Jonathan Taylor for, for any of his starts, which is a massive upgrade for him.
1: Boomer bus squad. We are back talking about breakout players. We're going to get right into it. And we are going to talk about Anthony Richardson. This is one of Bryce's guys that he thinks is going to break out in 2024. We saw it just little short glimpses. He couldn't stay healthy in his games last year. I think we're all hoping that he stays healthy because it was kind of fun to watch for that little bit that we got to see. So what are you thinking, Bryce?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is an easy one, right? When when a young dual threat quarterback gets hurt and then in the limited amount of time we did get to see him, he was exciting. And that was without Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so when you add that one-two punch, that just, I think uh, that puts their um, touchdown upside through the roof. I mean, the Colts were scoring a lot of points this last year. So their offense can move the ball, their offense can score. And when you put Jonathan Taylor and Anthony, Anthony Richardson back there, I think it just makes it all the better. Um, he's he's a super easy guy to uh, to put in this category. The Colts do have to make sure they sign Michael Pittman Jr. back to that squad because he's a pivotal part of that passing game uh, for him. And if they if they do miss him, they got to do it, anything and everything to make sure they do still surround him with with talent at the wide receiver position. Um, but yeah, when you when you get this guy out there, he can make plays. The only thing is they got he's got to learn or they got to teach him to learn how to protect himself. That's getting out of bounds. That's sliding. He's not in college anymore when he's bigger than all the linebackers. Now the linebackers are basically the same size as him. Um, So if if he can get those things shirred up, which we've seen a lot of dual threat quarterbacks do when they come into the the league, especially these big guys, they try and truck all these linebackers and, and that, that wears on you a lot quicker in the pros than it does college. Um, Anthony Richardson could be easily a top five fantasy uh, QB producer every year. Um, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts? So you, you put him in that same category, you got him maybe a little bit lower.
0: Yeah. Like we got to see, like you said, glimpses of him, Right. And we, I think we got two full games out of Anthony Richardson. He averaged 27 and a half fantasy points in four point for passing touchdown leagues. I don't really see a whole lot of stuff that I'm concerned about other than what you alluded to and his, his mindset playing the pro game. Like he has to figure out a way to get down. He has to look at Lamar and figure out how to not take a big hit. He needs to do stuff like that and he'll be just fine. He didn't have Jonathan Taylor for, for any of his starts, which is a massive upgrade for him. And he's got two pretty good young receivers in Michael Pittman Jr. And, and I'm a big Josh Downs guys too. So I think I don't really see a way health wise that he doesn't break out and become a fixture inside of our top 12 for the next little while. I think that he's got everything in terms of talent, And tools, he just needs experience, right? Like the big knock on him was just didn't play a lot. Like he didn't play a lot in Florida either. So, I think he's got everything that we need him to do to be that guy. And of all the players that we talk about today, to me, he's the safest one of them all.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, I was very very surprised. I'm pretty sure, wasn't it the the Jags that they opened up with uh, in? I thought he looked better in that game than Trevor Lawrence did. And it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was their first game, his first start. But uh, I was very surprised with how good of a passer he was in the decision-making and, and how on target he was with his passes. Obviously with these guys, these type of guys, you're going to see some erratic passes here. It doesn't matter if it's Jalen hurts or Lamar, or Josh Allen or Justin Fields or any of these guys that are, um, just as lethal running the ball as they are passing. So, um, it was real nice to just see his decision-making and everything Uh, again, what to, to reiterate what you guys said, it's now just learn how to protect yourself and use the running when you need to, but make sure you, you know, protect the ball and, and protect yourself. And as long as he can stay healthy, I mean, the fantasy upside is immense. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see an Anthony Richardson uh, number one quarterback overall during a season because of that rushing ability. I mean, I think he's got every bit as much as Justin Fields does. Um, And we saw him just about break the record in the 2022 season. So if you get a year like that in a full healthy season with the way that offense worked with Minshew at quarterback there could be huge upside with Anthony Richardson. And that's, that's the fun part about him is we really don't know yet. We haven't seen it, but you, you got those real short glimpses of what could be a real fun fantasy producer.
2: Yeah. And, and that was the big knock I had on him coming out is I was skeptical of his ability to be a an accurate passer um, and in the limited and, you know, the jury's still out on that, you know, four games is a really small sample size in the NFL, because uh, it takes a lot to for teams to get film on you and start to figure out some of your tendencies. So he's still gonna have to prove that for me. But with the rushing upside, fantasy wise, he's he's a huge, huge asset. Uh, you know, a guy coming out of college that was known for his uh, pinpoint passing and, and maybe like the accuracy was a guy that really disappointed this year, probably the most out of the young quarterbacks, and that's Bryce Young. I'm giving him a mulligan uh, on this season. I mean, he he landed in probably the worst spot of all the rookie quarterbacks, which makes sense. He was the first overall taken. Um, you know, the Panthers did trade up. But, you know, the weapon, when you have DJ Chark Jr. and Adam Thielen as your, your first two options with real Tommy Tremble, I think is the best tight end. Those aren't ideal Uh, running backs with Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders, not having strong years uh, as well. Just an overall terrible offense. Uh, That's not good help for a young quarterback like that. So they bring in a new offensive minded coach, I believe, um, that hopefully can turn things around for Bryce Young. So I look for him to, you know, he can't possibly have a sophomore slump uh, after that first season, but (laughs) um i'm gonna give him i'm gonna give him a chance to to prove himself it seemed like he stayed pretty poised when it came to his uh mental focus in the game it didn't look like um you know he let these performances you know maybe at least he didn't it didn't seem that way that it didn't let him like maybe get to him mentally uh you know he stuck in the whole year and played the whole year so hopefully this upcoming year he gets uh, significantly better because i think he's got the raw talent to be a decent quarterback but again he is pretty small, and there's very few small, successful small quarterbacks in the in the history of the NFL. So, so Anna, you're a Bryce Young, uh, quote unquote hater, is what I'll call it. So, sure. do you think that do you think he gets worse, or do you just think he just stays the same? I
0: think he is who he is. I think he's a, a complementary secondary backup type quarterback. I don't see him as a starting quarterback in the NFL. He showed me nothing last season that would change my mind. Andy Dalton started one game and had a statistically better game than any game that Bryce Young had all season with that same shitty offensive line, aging wide receiver core, garbage tight ends, crazy ownership, lackluster coaching. So I get it. Dalton's a seasoned veteran and Bryce Young's a rookie. And will he get better? I'm sure he will. Will that team get better? Yes, he will. Is he a guy that I want to target to have on any of my fantasy rosters? Absolutely not. I had one share. Hey, like I said before, he was my top-rated quarterback coming out. I'm not sitting here saying I never thought he was good. I thought he was going to be just fine. Made him my top-ranked quarterback. Had a couple of shares. I moved off them, and I'm happy that I moved off them. I I do not see it as a situation that I'm going to regret, and I'm wrong a lot, and I could be wrong here, but uh, no, there needs to be a glimpse of something for me in a player, and there was nothing. So, so you, I'm out.
2: But you hold on to that Kyle Pitts love, though. After four uh, years, um, but, Bryce but loses also it after say half that a
0: season. Sure, but was I wrong about Kyle Pitts? One hundred percent. Does Kyle Pitts still have the ability to do it? Yeah, but until he does, he hasn't. And um, yeah, like I said last week, I wear that as a as a tattoo, <laughs> and it's not a badge of honor. It is what it is.
1: Yeah, my only thing is is when you bring in a rookie, you trade oh, yeah. away your number one weapon. You have those aging weapons. For one, we already know it takes time for guys to acclimate to the NFL. And then not only that, but your coach from basically the beginning who didn't make it a a full season is, uh, you know, rumored to be on the firing block from like week three on because the owner is always in the, um, trying to implement himself into everything and just Carolina is they're almost more dysfunctional now than I remember the Browns being. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about a very dysfunctional uh, (laughs) franchise there in Cleveland. Right. And, and that situation, again, uh, it reminds me of Trevor Lawrence, uh, his rookie season. Obviously it's a little, it's, it's not the same situation, but it's just that chaotic and there's no stability and there's no like, how do you trust your coach three games into your career when the owner's already getting involved with everything? Like it's just a very dysfunctional situation. Um, I'm not giving up on him yet. Maybe he doesn't have that high end number one overall quarterback uh, ceiling that people had hoped for, for Bryce young, but I still think that he could be, I don't think he's any worse than a Baker Mayfield. Right. And Baker Mayfield was fine. If you were starting him in super flex this year, Um, so I'm, I'm not out on him completely. He may end up this off season, depending on how the, the whole community feels as a, as a heavy buy, um, because of that and how cheap he may be. Um, and we know he's still starting at least another year or probably two, um, with the new coach. So you've got, you've got a little bit of a leeway with him. And if, and if, The public feels more like Sully does about him going into twenty twenty four, then he could easily end up on one of my top buy lists for Superflex Leagues.
0: Baker Mayfield played for a Cleveland Browns team that was coached by Hugh Jackson that didn't win a game the year before he got there, took over for Tarod Taylor when he got hurt, and looked like a legit NFL quarterback to the point where people were pretty pumped about him. Bryce Young has none done anything that was even remotely resembled what Baker did as a rookie with just as equally as shitty a football team.
1: Really? Didn't he have Jarvis Landry on that team?
0: Yeah. What else did he have? Jarvis Landry, Adam Thielen.
1: Well, he's got, I would, I would take that Jarvis Landry over this Yeah, yeah, Adam
0: that, is,
2: that was, that was sure. like, fine. But, Ryan, it, but it's, a, yeah, but it's like a, it's a Ryan. veteran. Offensive line, the, the, the offensive line wasn't as bad either. That's a huge, that's a huge part that people don't take. They didn't win before. a game the year before. So that's all I'm saying. But once they started building around Baker Mayfield, when they started putting weapons, getting offensive line or run game, what did he do? He took him to the playoffs. I don't think Bryce Young, I'm not saying he could. he's going to do that, but I think that to put all the blame on that team on him is, is we'll see, I because I think the Trevor Lawrence was the perfect I'm not example. putting all the
0: blame on, I'm not putting all the blame on him. I put the blame on that ownership more than anything, but I will say that. When I look at these guys and I'm trying to gauge, and I'm not a guru, but when I'm trying to gauge whether I think a guy's going to break out or get better, I need to see some semblance and some flashes of a jumping off point. And I don't see that in Bryce Young. I, I think, don't we saw, see a I, think guy I saw who, a
2: couple of the last two weeks. The last two weeks, last he actually two weeks? didn't look too bad. Well, Dude, better than the first two point. weeks, right? When you rather see in the last two than the first two, in all reality, huh? means you're probably improving. I just uh, think well, it's a lot see. to ask of Maybe him. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna
0: weeks. look at his last. Maybe yeah, last, you you might you might want to like say three games. weeks.
2: There was like two games. There was like a game or two at the end of the season where Bryce Young actually had a decent amount of yards, some touchdown. Like he didn't do god awful. And I so, think Trevor Trevor example is perfect.
0: He had a good. He had two good fantasy games. One of them was the third last week of the season where he threw for 312 and two against the Packers. He followed it up with 112 and nothing. And ninety four and nothing, and then okay, shut 100%. out the last two weeks of the season. So, if you want to look at the last two weeks of the year, hundred percent agree.
2: Okay, it was the third. is the third to last week. Then
0: I knew there was. Had one two, the he of the had two year. good games this year, and he and he and he didn't quite get to Andy Dalton level, but hey. I stuff. mean,
1: that that's not even for me. That's not even a fair fair thing yeah, to say I mean, with, Deshaun with Watson Andy, didn't have Andy a better Dalton.
2: game than Joe Flacco's best game would you want to move forward with Joe Flacco over Deshaun Watson I don't think I would well if
0: you look at Adam Thielen's targets in the first couple of weeks of the seasons he was a ghost in that offense and then Andy Dalton gets a start in week three and he gets peppered and then all of a sudden Bryce Young goes hey maybe I should throw the ball to this guy like so I don't know I, I like I said could be wrong
1: that, that, that's also a, a one Dalton game. And, and then other games where you may not have had, I don't know who, what defenses they play, but there's just a lot more that goes into it than just what the box score says is, is my whole thing. That's what's, I think a lot of people just look at the box scores. They see that I, you know, I've seen it in Chicago. I mean, we, we are accustomed to this type of thing with our quarterback. So um, there's just with all the dysfunction, I'm not saying go out and spend uh, first pick on him, or that I would pay as much as the first three quarterbacks in the 2024 class, but I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him to be good enough to be a, uh, you know, top 15, 16 quarterback with a little bit more upside. It's just, yeah, Baker started out really good, but then he went to shit and nobody wanted well, him he, and he bounced he brought, around and... He,
0: he, he broke in half and played injured, but yes, you're not wrong. He he definitely declined. But, I sure. mean,
1: he was still a guy that played for four teams and couldn't even stick with the, the Panthers that needed wow. a quarterback that's as bad as anybody
2: pretty else. Hey, so pretty solid organization.
0: A, apparently he had a good right, year. So, Baker
2: Mayfield had a good year and, and that's who Carolina's coaches is now is a guy that was leading that offense. I
0: think so. that, that, that's a good point, right? Like Canales um, for all intents and purposes, looks like he's the one who resurrected Baker. So can he resurrect Bryce Young? Perhaps he can. If anybody can, maybe he can. Uh, but he better do it in eight or nine weeks or he's going to be, see you later, bye. Well, that's that's so, the biggest wow. thing. That's,
1: that's my biggest worry with Bryce. Right. That they're going to have 100%. a different coach every year. So I don't disagree with that part.
0: But It's system too, right?
1: System, just the situation. And, um, you know, Tepper is going to have to realize, like, I need to – get out of the way. Sometimes (laughs) like this is not going to work. He's got to have football guys in his ears saying you're making it harder for everybody right now, not giving a coach a chance to build a culture. And that's why in Chicago, I was happy that they kept Eberflus, right? You keep that Mm -hmm. momentum going that you were building. Even if it was really only on defense, you keep that going, you give your team a shot and you build that culture. It's not, everybody's going to come in, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a coach, receiver, any other position and immediately be really, really good. And I think that's what people expect too much of from not just Bryce young, but just young players in general, you see, you know, receivers that don't have the 1300 yard rookie year. And they went ahead of the guy that had it and people just think, oh, well, that guy's automatically better. And I don't think it's quite that simple.
0: But so, also,
1: a, I'm not going to die on this sword either. I'm not like,
0: I'm, I'm not like either.
1: Beating the, I think the guys can, Bryce guys a good,
0: good. You guys can take like you guys can go and add Bryce Young to your rosters, and I hope he works for you. I just don't want anything to do with him. I got better. Man, if, I, I, if, right
2: if 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 someone if someone's like real low on him and they'll take a second round pick for him. I'd okay, so that what would perfect. you what
0: would you pay for him? What would you give up for him, for him comfortably? Just in for simplicity. I, th- draft I, th-
2: pick. I think I think when it comes to like a first round pick, it would definitely have to be in the back quarter and that that could also depend on team what my team looks like like if you're really desperate for a quarterback too I I couldn't I would definitely rather have Bryce Young than Michael Penix Jr. Or probably Bo Nix so I would trade of late late first if I needed one um, but any second in a heartbeat I would trade for Bryce Young for sure
1: yeah, right now I would be around the one ten. I have nine guys yeah. that I would probably have ahead of him, and then there's a group that could jump him during this whole process. Yeah. I would—I just posted it in the in our uh, Facebook group um, the other day that guys like if JJ McCarthy goes top fifteen, then he's probably going to be up in that one ten one nine range for me. Uh, Bo Nix, if he jumps up after his senior bowl um week then he could jump into that conversation for that back, you know, top 10 11 guys. We've got other receivers, the Franklins and Thomas Juniors and Mitchells that I think could end up getting into that range. This class yeah. is just freaking awesome. So yeah. uh I I would be with you potentially 110, the 112 or um you know, any second at this point, but it could end up being like the 2 4 and back depending on how those guys I mentioned work out. And um, you've also got the receiver from Michigan, another guy that didn't get a lot of um, uh, action because they didn't throw a lot, but just looks pretty He's got a lot of senior bowl love, for sure. Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson, yes. Uh, He's
2: he's pretty small too. That's another knock on him. But he's a great route runner, great route runner. (laughs)
1: there are a lot of guys there that could end up being ahead of where I would have Bryce, but I think a second round pick for a quarterback that we know is going to get probably at least two more years to start is, is an option I'll take. I mean, I don't think he's Zach Wilson. I I just don't think he is. I think he's, I think he's better than that. He doesn't have nearly the weapons that Zach Wilson had and he couldn't figure it out. And maybe Bryce doesn't figure it out, but for a second round pick a year after a guy went one overall in the NFL draft, I'll risk that
0: every day. I'd move. I, I would move a second for him just because I know there's people out there that would still move a first, but I don't want anything to do with him because I do think he has a year left as a starting quarterback, if not even the full season. Minimum,
2: Right. Yeah. We'll
0: see. Okay. I don't Rose. know if he makes it through next year.
2: Well, okay. So for, we go from a disappointing season in Bryce Young uh, to more of like a little nice surprise uh, in Will Levis. Um, I was kind of high on Will Levis in the off season last year. Um, I thought he had all the tools. I just thought he played in a tough division in the sec with like really not so great weapons. Um, And that hurt him because he did fall into day two and he wasn't really expected to. Um, And he, you know, he gets the opportunity to start uh, last year and he, you know, nonetheless balled out in his first game. I think he threw four touchdown passes. DeAndre Hopkins had his first good game of the year. So it got fans excited and, and, you know, things did simmer down a little bit. He's, he's definitely got a learning curve uh, to him, but the guy's built, you know, pretty similar to Anthony Richardson. I mean, he's, he's a big, big quarterback. That's like built like a middle linebacker. And again, I think he needs to, you know, he didn't really get any. He didn't get severely injured to miss a whole season or even partial, um, like Anthony Richardson did. But um, he was trying to run over guys, and he got banged up. And, and Ryan, we saw Ryan Tannehill see the field again at the end of the year. Um, I, I don't know exactly how I feel about Will Levis yet. Um, I, I think I just need more data. So that's more, you know, and that's more playing time. But I think he's got all the tools. He's got the arm strength to be a good NFL quarterback. I just don't know what his rushing upside when it comes to fantasy is because like he'd had games where he, you know, he'd just take off and he'd look pretty good. And then there'd be games where he didn't run too much. So what are, what are maybe some of your thoughts on, on Will Levis as a breakout candidate? He's an easy candidate, right? Because he's a rookie quarterback that is going to see, is going to start next year. It's pretty evident that they're going to move forward with him. Ideally getting him some wide receiver help, um, in, in that department. So, uh, do do you think he could break out and be a QB one in, in your fantasy roster? Or do you maybe see his like ceiling more as like a higher end QB two? What do you think, Rick?
1: I would be more on the back end QB two. I'm not a big okay. Will Levis guy. I don't think that he's got the staying power. I would more compare him to somebody like Sam Howell, who can sling it around and throw it. Um, but probably isn't going to hold down a starting job in the NFL for a long period of time. Um, more of a stop gap until Tennessee does figure out that franchise quarterback. If they ever do. I mean, again, I'm in Chicago. I know that some teams never figure that out. So uh, I don't we know. We haven't really and figured it out either. Kirk cousins is way better than any. Quarterback oh yeah. Sure. Physically. He's,
0: he's um, probably but, gone. So that's all. But
1: uh, yeah, like, I mean, again, he's a guy, he's probably going to turn the ball over quite a bit. He's probably going to put up yards and, and if they have weapons, probably some touchdowns, but how long is he going to be a starter in the NFL? That's my biggest concern. Um, so yeah, he may break out just simply based on volume and, and having that job for a year, but I don't know that I wouldn't automatically have him on the trade block if he was, If we're in week five and he's a top 10 quarterback, top 12 quarterback, he's probably on my trade block unless I absolutely need him for a run.
0: Yeah. You know, I I think if Bryce Young deserves to be on this list, Will Levis does as well because they both play behind a terrible offensive line. They both played with very extremely limited receiving weapons. They both played with questionable play calling. Um, And I'll go back to what I said before. Will Levis showed me some stuff as, man, this guy's got a big arm. He's got yeah. some mobility. He's tough as nails. I like can remember that one game where he goes across the middle and just trucks some linebacker and gets right up. And I'm like, he's got the moxie. Like, he's got some stuff there, but he also fell in the draft where he fell because he's got some limitations as well. But if, you know, it's Callahan, I think, is their coach who comes from Cincinnati. If he brings T. Higgins with him, I probably like, well, Levis a little bit more. Or if he brings a Joe Mixon or he brought his father in already, who's a renowned guru of the offensive line that just left the Browns. So I think there's a lot more positives in Tennessee going forward than there are in Carolina. So I just kind of thought Will Levis and Bryce Young kind of go hand in hand, both rookie quarterbacks, both in struggling situations. I would much rather gamble based on costs on Will Levis than Bryce Young. I'd be happy to move Bryce Young in a trade that bring, brought me back Will Levis. I think Will Levis can be to your, to your original question, Bryce a solid number two quarterback for my fantasy teams. I don't think he's going to be um, like, he's not going to be Ben Roethlisberger. Right. And and Will Levis doesn't run a ton. He can move, but I don't think he's going to get me anything with his legs in terms of fantasy points. I think he ran for less than a hundred yards a season. So I like him. I think he's got some upside and I think he can break into that solid mid QB two range, but that's probably a ceiling. Yeah. I worry about him.
1: Oh, well, I just wanted to hit on the point. You said something about Titans and Panthers like skill players being similar. And I would highly disagree. I think he's got two better running backs in the backfield in Tennessee. I would take Ty Spears over Chuba Hubbard or Miles Sanders. Um, and obviously, good Henry. Um, I'll give you that. Hopkins would clearly be the first receiver that I would take out of those two teams. I don't um, know, dude. Not anymore. I, I mean, I would I would definitely take him over Adam Thielen and who else am I going to take. And then then I would probably take Chig out of everybody else. Yeah, I don't think
2: Hopkins I don't think Hopkins had a down year based on talent or getting old. I think it was just quarterback play. I mean, it's a, that's a really I do agree about the line,
1: in. but when we're talking about the, the, line, the skill line, position, players, I would say there was a lot more uh, talent in the skill position for Tennessee. So that's the only thing I wanted to say there. I just don't think those ones are very comparable, especially with the run game and having Derrick Henry, that that should be like a young quarterback's best friend. <laughs>
0: You're yeah. right. D-Hop yeah. still had a 1,000-yard season last year, so I'll give you that. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that good. He And he, he didn't really get it moving until the
2: end of the – like once Will Levis took over too. About and, second and
1: half of the season, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, But, you know, what you said about Will Levis as being like a stopgap quarterback, and you guys might agree, is how I feel about this last quarterback, uh, Aiden O'Connell um you know obviously for the same reason we put you know Will Levis and I guess Bryce Young in this list is um you know they just had a rookie year and as it appears right now at the at the recording of this show um he looks to be the quarterback for the Raiders moving into next season we still have a lot of offseason <laughs> basically the whole offseason to happen in the draft of course that and that could change but as of right now going into this this starting starting uh role he he definitely is a breakout candidate nonetheless especially if the Deion- or I'm sorry, especially if Devontae Adams stays there um, because that, that is a nice receiving core with him and him and Myers uh, and, and a good young tight end and Michael Mayer that started to kind of show some bits and pieces kind of more towards the back half of the season. Maybe he can get more involved this upcoming season. Um, so, I, I mean, I really don't have much to say because you said it all about Will Levis that I would say about Aiden O'Connell. Um, and I, I think you're probably going to agree with me that maybe he's just a guy that, can hopefully give you some quarterback two numbers if you're real desperate in that position maybe a guy you feel okay plugging in for your bye weeks or trading away for something um but i don't really see his ceiling very high he's got really no little to no rushing upside just got some solid weapons at the receiving core so if he can hold on to the job any starting quarterback is, is serviceable and, and fantasy value uh, moving forward so do you think is there any you know anything else do you disagree or is there anything else that i'm missing here on on uh on farva Rick?
1: No, I would actually say him and, uh, you know, I agree that him and Levis are kind of in the same situation, right? O'Connell can put up some numbers. He's probably not going to be a long-term starter, but I would say the cost to acquire Aiden O'Connell is probably half of what it is to to get Will Levis, right? So yeah. everybody expects the Raiders to either trade for Justin Fields sign a free agent quarterback or move up in the draft, to draft one. But coming out of Las Vegas, there's a lot of talk that the Raiders really like O'Connell again, was a young guy drafted later. And you know, if he gets the opportunity to start there, then for a third round rookie pick, maybe even further back, depending on how lengthened this class gets, you could get a guy that starts for, and even if he starts for one year, that's worth a third round pick to me. And by a breakout would be, you know, even a top, you know, 18 quarterback for super flex leagues. um, I feel like would be a breakout for O'Connell where he was drafted, obviously did get a few starts, but nobody expects him to go um, for them next year. So I'll risk a third rounder for that. Even if it, even if it only ends up being my third super flex starter and I plug him in for two or three weeks. I'll be happy for that. If he gets me, you know, 15 points a week uh, in the, in the weeks he has to start and uh, and then maybe he loses his job and maybe I hold him until he ends up getting a chance because the starter goes down or something. So um, that's where I'm at. That's where I think the difference is between him and the, and the rest of these quarterbacks in here and a lot of other quarterbacks that we could talk about when it comes to super flex, most quarterbacks that are going to get a chance to start are probably going to cost you at least a high to mid second round pick. O'Connell's probably not going to cost you that because there's very little um, confidence in him remaining the Raiders starter for a long period of time. So I'll take those spot starts and, and maybe a season of O'Connell for a third rounder um, where most of my third rounders are never going to end up in my lineup to begin with.
0: I really don't have much to add other than, on the outside of the Raiders organization looking in, it seems to me that they're kind of sort of figuring out that they're trying to fix the culture before the product on the field, right? Like Gruden was a bit of a bit of a disaster, and Josh McDaniels, apparently everybody hated him, including all the coaches and all the players and everyone else. And then once they got rid of him, and they got the current head coach, and they are kind of like, you know, guys like Max Crosby come out during the coaching um, interviews and says, like, he's our coach. I'm out of here, basically, if he's not going to be our coach. And then they're like, Max Crosby's pretty good. We should probably give this guy a job. <laughs> but right. um, I-, I think Aiden O'Connell is a serviceable quarterback, and I like him. I, he he He's the kind of guy that looks like he'll go to the wall for his team, and in all indications are the players like him as well. He's nothing flashy. He's nothing terrible. He's I'm trying to think of a comp, and I can't. Just uh, like a really good backup quarterback that just happens to be a starter right now. And I think Rick's bang on. You can get you can get him for a third. I could what about like a Jacoby for... Yeah, but just not a mobile one, right? Like I'm trying to think of what I guy guess, I uh... can. Like, I don't know. But he's like, I have a, Teddy he's a, Br- like Teddy a Bridgewater.
1: I was going to say like a nudge below like a, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Bridgewater might be a. Might be an all right comp, but Bridgewater did run before he got hurt, right? Like he ran a little yeah. bit before he, before he, tore his leg up.
0: Once he put the second glove on, it was kind of it for Teddy, but, um, Teddy, Teddy, two, gloves. Teddy two gloves, but no, uh, I just think he he's, he's good enough. Like, and I think I have two ways of looking at it. If I want to go get myself a share of O'Connell, I'm going to do it now for a third, like Rick said, because I think he'd do it. But if I have O'Connell, I'm carrying him into the season. Cause into, in the season, you might get a late first for him, depending on the team that needs a quarterback gets desperate. We just saw like forty five different quarterbacks start this last season, or I think the number was even higher, right? So yeah, yep, that's crazy. He's okay. He's not bad, and I they would do themselves well to just kind of work with him and deal with him. What what ultimately got McDaniels fired, I believe, is when he started Hoyer over O'Connell, and it's like what possibly good can come of that? So. Anyway, I like him. I, I think he's okay. He's not going to win you anything, but he's not going to cost you a ton, and he's not going to hurt you. He's a good number two, uh, ideally number three quarterback for you on your super flex roster.
1: Yeah, definitely number three, because I don't know yeah. that. he And he may not even start the whole next year. But, again, third-round picks, like, they don't You're right. Like, very often.
0: And... They could end up with cousins and fields by the time we finish this show. Like, we don't know, right? Like, who knows? Yep. Well, not cousins, because yep. they can't sign him yet, but you know what I mean. Right. Right. Well, the good
2: thing about a serviceable QB that's not too flashy and and still young is that an offense has to run, uh, or has to have an established run game to give that guy some help, which kind of leads us into our next guy uh, at the at the running back position in Zamir White. Um, and we got again, this is a guy we got a little glimpse of, um, at the end of the year with Josh Jacobs hurt. Uh, Zamir White was was pretty efficient, and and I believe in like maybe one or two of those games he was pretty decent in the pass catching department as well. I know there was one game he had like 140 rushing yards, and then there was another game that he might have had like five or six receptions. Um, And and if I'm not mistaken, Aiden O'Connell was the quarterback, so that could be a nice little uh, connection we get next year with some some dump-offs for him. Um, But the Raiders, I mean, the past three, four years have used and abused any running back that's sitting back there, and whoever's sitting back there, they don't share because when Josh Jacobs is healthy, we didn't know who Zamir White or where he was. Yeah. Um, but when when Josh Jacobs was down, Zamir White was getting that exact same workload uh, transferred right over to him. And it looked like he handled it pretty well. Um, this is one of the more uh, exciting breakout candidates for me personally, because I do have a ton of shares in Zamir White. I drafted him probably in the third round in rookie drafts the year he came out a couple years ago and uh, just held on to him in hopes that Josh Jacobs didn't get tagged last year and hoping that the Raiders move on from him again this year. It makes sense to to move on from a running back when you're obviously going to be in a, at worst, a soft rebuild as an organization. So obviously I think we can all agree that if he gets the same workload Josh Jacobs was getting, um, it's good for him in in fantasy terms, maybe not, maybe not in length of career um, as we're seeing with Josh Jacobs, but uh, you get 25 plus touches a week, mostly on the ground and maybe some there in the air. Um, He's a huge asset. Is there any, anything that you think that job white can't do that Josh Jacobs can, I mean uh, like they seem like kind of the same type of running back. Uh, so I-, I really expect them to be, or expect Zemir white's value to be very similar to what Josh Jacobs was in that, in that offense outside of, you know, that, that crazy year, but you know, moving forward, I think you could pay, a, you should be charging a pretty good premium on a guy like that. When you, you expect that same usage. <laughs>
0: trying to think of what i think um i like the player i liked what i saw um i kind of have sticker shock on these guys right now and, and and totally different player and totally different situation but i just keep thinking of like tony pollard and i think about these guys that are in these secondary roles that get these limited exposures and they're incredibly efficient and then they get to be the guy and all of a sudden formations maybe on you should, defense are different maybe you should more
2: of Ramondre stevenson okay How's, that, how's that looking now? What do you mean? Ramondre was, I mean, the offense was bad this last year, but Ramondre is still yeah, a good fan. I, I, I like,
0: yeah, I like Zamir White, um, but are there things that he, that Josh Jacobs can do that he can't? Yes. Josh Jacobs is an exceptional running back and a way better running back and a better pass catcher and probably a better pass blocker. But that a just diminished the too. fact that Zamir White is a good running back. And I think he has a good... Uh, He's going to be in a good spot in this offense. I just have a little bit of a concern for when the lights go on bright and these secondary guys become the guy. It's usually a lot different and their efficiency drops and like White had what three games at the end of the year where he looked unbelievable. Like he's had 121 uh, career carries coming into last season. And he didn't do much of anything with it because Josh Jacobs was there most of the time. And the only time he really got to play is when Jacobs was banged up. I think the Raiders are done with Jacobs. I think Jacobs is done with the Raiders. It's logical, to your point, if they're building with Samir White, that offensive line was way better than I thought it would be last season. And I think he has a role there. I just He might be a guy that's more on my sell list than my buy list. But in terms of breakout, 100% he should be on this list, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, he's on, he would be on my sell list as well. I'm not confident. And this is the problem for these fringe running backs this year is that there are a ton of fringe running backs that are going to go third, fourth, fifth round that I think can compete with guys like Zamir white. You asked, what can he, what can Jacobs do that white can't? And one thing is lead the NFL in rushing. Cause I don't see that mm-hmm. happening. And Zamir white's, uh, Career, but uh but yeah, I I think with the way this draft is gonna work out, we may not see a running back in the first two rounds. Um, so yep. teams are gonna be scooping them up third, fourth, fifth round. And you just get one one guy like Zemir White into that backfield again, um, then it could turn into a 50-50 split. It could turn into white being on the end of a 30% split or worse. Now, the thing that I will say, and this goes for, you know, O'Connell that we just talked about as well. The Raiders did what a lot of teams don't do. And that's when they hire an interim head coach after firing their head coach and during the season, retaining that person, the following year right we've seen tepper mm-hmm. mess that up with uh wilkes right wilkes and and pierce were kind of the same thing a year apart for different franchises
0: um, yeah and the Ra- and the raiders screwed it up whenever the Saatchi or whatever his name was should have right. been the coach right
1: so yeah. now if you got to think that white and o'connell helped pierce with the way they played at the end of the year and you know turning that around a little bit at the end of the year yeah. Um, so Pierce probably has a little bit of loyalty to these guys. And and if he's really the players coach, then he may say, Hey, we've got these two guys. Let's concentrate on everything else that we need. So there are like, there are positives to go with the negatives that I was speaking of with all the, the third, fourth round running backs. I think we're going to see. So, um, there are two sides of the coin, so I could definitely see him being the guy for a year. Um, but again, I don't know that he's long-term but a breakout in 2024 i definitely can can see
0: offensive coordinator change there too right Mm -hmm. like getsy is just kind of a puzzling hire um but but also a guy that but a guy who's shown he likes to use multiple backs is kind of where i'm going with
1: it well yeah well that and the point that their running game was really good and they're not going to get the yards from o'connell they're running the bears running backs were still some of the most efficient in the league even though you know, they were first and second in the league in rushing the past two years. And a big portion of that is, you know, the, what I guess fields would have had like 1700 yards or whatever the last two, two seasons, but the running backs have still been very, very productive outside of David Montgomery in 2022. So um, that's that running game works. Uh, it's weird calls in the passing game. That yeah. is the real question with, with Getzy. So, um, yeah. so I do agree. I do, I do agree with you there though. So.
2: Yeah. That, this last season, just a little statistic. I mean, last year Josh Jacobs was obviously pretty disappointing. I think to most owners and you know, he had 13 games started and played and he only had two games above a hundred rushing yards where Samir white had four and also had two games above a hundred rushing yards. I'm not saying to lead the <laughs> league ever, but.
0: Quick question: Were those two games before or after McDaniel's got
2: fired for Jacobs? Um, I don't know, but I mean, th- I wouldn't say usage
0: was the problem. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that because I mean, he's I got think a give lot a of... shit. I think give a shit was a problem, is what I'm saying. Like I think that whole team quit.
2: Well, you're a professional athlete. You shouldn't just. i mean I don't know. I guess I'm. I can't. When, I just can't imagine going you're wrong, on. The right? like you're not wrong, right? You're not wrong, but
0: you're also a yeah. human being, and when you and when right. your life is consisted of being a nail, and the, your head coach is a hammer. Or you're a pinata. It gets a little tiring after a while. So when did, do do like, we know when McDaniels got fired? I mean, probably like, late, like six, I think. No, it was pretty early. I thought it was like then six, both, six or seven. Then
2: both, then both of his games were with Antonio Pierce above 100 rushing yards. But even then, I mean, he had Well,
1: some... defense, your plan matters. The, the game script matters for all that, right? We can say, yeah. oh, yeah, he got, you know, two. You know, Zamir matched him with 100-yard games, but, you know.
0: It, it, just like just like my Andy know. Dalton Bryce Young thing is I can cherry pick the numbers to make my point just like <laughs> <Right>. anybody else <laughs> he, right I'm so, at, I mean he,
2: he he played some soft defense it's it, the funny thing is, is is his 100 yard games are against some of the better defenses and then the softer defenses against
0: the run well he, he the, had a big game against KC that everybody can run on and, and probably see that in the Super Bowl uh Zemir White ran all over Kansas City I think he ran almost for 150 yards and that's the game where he had five or six catches too so you can run on the on the Chiefs Baltimore didn't figure that out, but you can. Um, but, yeah, like, to Rick's point, who knows? Like, I can't sit here and tell you which defensive guy was healthy that week or what guy might have missed a game or got hurt in-game. Um, the other one was against the Denver, game script also, was also like
2: also so. running water when it comes to Yeah, but Zemir White's a good running, don't year. get me
0: wrong. Well, um, you know, and you don't see a ton of these guys that are later-round picks five years ago materialized, but today's NFL, a third and a fourth and a fifth round in some situations, a seventh round drafted running back have as much chances being a guy as a second and a first round pick, right? Like there's as many, you know, Isaiah Pachecos and, and uh true guys like that it's than there true. are Najee Harris's of the world, right? And one's a first yeah. rounder, one's a seventh round. There's it, not a it, whole it, lot of difference.
2: It's hard to gauge Zemir White too, especially when the usage of the backup running back was so strange where they didn't use him at all. And then, like, when Josh Jacobs gets hurt, they literally, I mean, they they keep true to what they did is whoever the starting running back is, is getting all the touches. Um, so yeah, but, uh, but they
1: were also had Amir Abdullah and who uh, still
2: wasn't but, that involved.
1: Well, no, but I'm saying is that because yeah. those are the guys behind when Samir White yeah. comes in, then they're probably they're just bad i mean what Kenyon drake was there for like a week or two brandon bolden
0: was there this is
2: strange to see it's just strange to see josh jacobs get 26 carries and like zamir white literally gets like one like you would think like let's get like a 20 and five or something you know especially
0: for especially for mcdaniel's coming from where he came from right but you know i mean like
2: just no like literally a a ghost until there's an injury you just it's just it's just unusual You don't see that, and you'd think that man, their backup
0: running back back must just be garbage. (laughs) And then they put him in, and you're like, "Holy crap, where's this guy been?" Right? So, totally, he's
2: very, he's very similar size, strength to. No, I don't know about, I don't know about speed. I mean, neither, I don't think, are known for their speed, but they're very similar in the way they play. They they Um, look
0: very similar. I agree. They do.
2: Yeah. So, I I just think you know when you bring up Tony, you know, Zeke and Tony Pollard are completely different types of running backs with completely different builds. So that's where it's like, I don't, I can't compare him to that. To where I think, like, from going from Damian Harris to Ramondre Stevenson is a good comparison because, I mean, is bigger than Damian. You know, you're not really changing the size of your running back or the skill set necessarily. is mm-hmm. obviously more skilled, especially in the passing game, but, you know, in the sense of what they can do, I, the, I think size is way more important at running back, you know, uh, and I think Tony Pollard showed that issue with his super disappointing fantasy season. Um, so the, probably the more more explosive, uh, and and I don't know, I didn't really have this guy on my radar much this year. is, is Devon Achan. Chan, um, that you know, speaking of Tony Pollard, is that what we could see next year from Devon Achan? Obviously, I have some concerns because even in his limited role, he seemed pretty fragile. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, speed kills the NFL, and and man, that dude was starting out at like an astronomically. Like you can't keep that pace, right? The way he was playing and the amount of touchdowns he's scoring and the yards per carry are not something that can be maintained throughout an entire season. Um, but but he is explosive and, and exciting. Do do we think that because Raheem Mostert's a question mark right now, right? I mean, he could retire. He could still, I guess, be back next year. Who knows? He's he's an older running back, um, and the Dolphins could be in that boat. But there's a lot of free agent running backs. So they could be one that you know, gets one and, and maybe goes at more of a committee next year. Um, Cause it seems like that's what McDaniels kind of wants to do as a, is a one, two punch. Yeah. Cause he did it with Moster and H when they were out there, do we see the same thing? Do we, do we see maybe someone slide in and, and as Moster's uh, role kind of as more of the, Goal line, touchback um, guy that, that goes out there and starts and a chan's more of the change of pace back, but he succeeded as last year. Or do you think maybe that a Chan slides up into most role, and then they bring another guy in as a, as a, as a change of pace. Uh, I guess my question is, do, does a Chan lead the backfield next year and touches for the Miami dolphins? What do you guys think?
1: I think he does. If he's healthy, I think health is the thing that you got to worry about with a Chan, especially in that offense um, with the way they scheme that up. I think, As long as he's healthy, he's going to be fine. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be a 15, even probably average touches per game. Um, He's going to have games where he has that, but I would say that he's probably going to average more in the 12 to 13 range um, at, at the high end, just because dolphins are going to want to keep him healthy as well. And I just, until he proves otherwise, I don't think dolphins can go into the season with the anticipation. Of A being a workhorse in that backfield, so they have to have somebody mm-hmm. else, whether it's Mostert, Jeff Wilson. Um, I mean, every Get running Singletary, back that they've plugged in, for him. every running back they've plugged in over the past two years has been efficient, right? Even, um, what's that, Ahmed, um, Salvin Ahmed, when he's got the yeah. chance, he's been efficient. Um, you know, and Mostert, they've always Mostert, had efficient A-chan. running backs. I
2: can think all the way, all the way back to Jay Ajayi. Miles well,
0: Gaskin was a seventh round drafted running back that had his day in the sun there too, right? Like, yeah. Jay
1: Ajayi was efficient for two games and then everybody, that was like 60%. A little, little,
0: little bit more than that, but not much.
1: Two games, the two 200 games, yard games were like 60% of his production that year. Like yeah. Jay Ajayi was not very good other than two games yeah. or three games in his
0: dolphin's career. Poor, but poor guy um, didn't have any knees. Give him a break.
1: Well, no, I mean, th- dude, they're in the NFL. They're still good, but J.J. Yeah. was one of the most overblown running backs I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. which you could you could kind of consider A-chains like in that realm, right? He's had some really good games. Like you said, th- a three-game stretch where he averaged over 12 yards per carry. Are yeah. you yeah. fucking kidding me? Like that's <laughs> not that's not real life. That's Madden numbers on Yeah, you on can't just in rookie back. mode, yeah. right? So uh so yeah but again I mean it's it's clear that he's dynamic it's clear that he's a big play threat now we just need to say hey Chan same thing as Anthony Richardson stay on the freaking field get us 10 to 12 touches per game and he's probably going to be at least a flex for the next couple years
0: yeah I I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, We talked about Josh Jacobs, and that's who I really see Miami going and getting. I don't know if necessarily Jacobs is fast enough to fit that offense, but I think he's close. I think Devon Achan is freaking awesome. Like, I just pulled up his numbers. He ran the ball 103 times last year. He had 800 rushing yards. He averaged just (laughs) under eight yards per attempt. Like, that's mind boggling, right? Like, I think it was week one he didn't play week two he had 40 fantasy points week three i think he didn't play or something and then week four he had another 50 fantasy points and then he got hurt and missed a bunch of times so clearly if he's on the field he has the ability to take the thing into the house every single time he gets the ball in his hands i also think that mcdaniels definitely wants to have more than one running back but what i like about his offense it's a little bit different than a lot of other teams is he has no problem putting multiple backs on the field at the same time right like i look at i look at um Miami being potentially like Montgomery and Gibbs, like that kind of split. But you didn't see Campbell have Montgomery and Gibbs on the field at the same time very much. And when you put both those guys on the field and then you have Tyreek and Waddle, and defenses are like, oh my God, all these guys can run like the freaking wind. Like, what do we do? And what do they do? They create space, get the guy in space, the ball, and it game over. So I like him a lot. I, I, I think he's... I don't think he's an RB1 because I don't think he's going to A, stay healthy enough or B, get enough touches to do it. And it's not even durability. It's soft tissue stuff that worries me about him. And that's what kind of knocked him down last year. But he's dynamic. He's absolutely a breakout candidate, a guy I love to have on my roster. I think he was my fourth ranked guy coming out of AM last year. I really like him. Um, and I think the game is changing where these smaller guys are a little bit more relevant than they were before. So I like him a lot.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. a point, and and we can even we can talk about this way more in the future. But the NFL, the, like the players, are getting smaller. Like they're stronger yeah. and but, faster. You know, you don't have the three hundred and fifty pound defensive tackle very often anymore, right? They're more like three ten and and fast guys. Um, I don't jizzled. even know yeah. like what what is what is Jalen Carter weigh right? Um, uh, probably a little bit over three hundred pounds. Uh, So it it is different than it was like in the nineties and two thousands where you had to, like, you had to be big. And now I do agree that wide receivers and running backs, you're seeing some smaller guys because now it's more about speed and they are stronger. Like that's no, that's no doubt. But now you can't hit like you could used to. So that all like factors into not needing that huge size, especially if you're going to be used, you know, sparingly as a running back, um, and I say that like maybe, you know, 10 carries, eight carries a week, and then four to five catches, um, having that balance as a smaller running back, I think you're going to be able to succeed. And I think we've seen that like slowly happening over the past decade.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the game the game is always evolving. Um, so A-Chan's a guy you love, uh, Sully. Maybe another guy that's in your team's wheelhouse is uh, Tyler yeah. Chandler. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll let you, I don't say much about him. You know, I've got a couple of shares of him and I was excited to see him finally get the opportunity and it, it came rather easily for him. I mean, I, I mean, Rick and I both were not Alexander Madison fans going into last season, but you know, the usage nonetheless still gave him some fantasy value. Uh, So that made it exciting for when we thought somebody more talented than him, which Ty Chandler is, would get the opportunity that he would seize it. And he did nonetheless. Um, He looked really good in the, the touches that he got. And there was, I know there was a game that he should have got a lot more touches uh, that I'm sure you remember pretty well. Uh, So, you know, you got the insight on Ty Chandler. What, what, uh, yeah, what what are your thoughts on him moving into next season? An obvious breakout candidate, of course.
0: I think so. But I think what's really telling is when you look at the organization and who's in the organization. So the coach is staying, the GM is staying. Ownership's obviously the same. Offensive coordinator is the same. Running back coach is the same. And I'm sitting there all season long watching Alexander Madison run really hard for a yard and a half before he gets hit and then going another quarter of a yard before he falls down. And then as much as I tried to defend him and as much as I was an anti-Cam Akers guy, we saw when Cam Akers started to get some touches that, well, clearly he's better than Alexander Madison. Um, And then they misused Akers, kept feeding Madison. And it wasn't until... We really didn't have any other choice that Ty Chandler got the chance to be had. And I was banging the drum for Ty Chandler back in the preseason, saying this is the best running back on our team. And when he finally got the opportunity to play, he looked really good. But I am confident that there's a reason why the organization didn't see what I saw. And for whatever reason that is, we're bringing somebody else in. We're going to mud up that backfield. We might even stick and hang on to Alexander Madison based on what we paid him. I think he's an easy cut and he probably moves on, but nonetheless, Ty Taylor has all the skill set in the world to be a relevant running back. He's never going to be a bell cow. He's never going to take over that, that backfield and run with it. But he's a, he's a guy that can definitely break out into a different tier of fantasy running back. He's not going to be an RB one. He might not even be an RB two, but he's a, great guy to have on your team i think for a flex role guy could still catch some passes and and he's pretty dynamic and he can score so obviously i like him i'm a vikings guy but i wouldn't um i wouldn't break the bank to bring ty chandler in because i don't think the organization sees him like the fantasy manager sees him
1: i think this really depends on what the vikings are doing right if you don't get cousins you don't bring cousins back there's a very good chance that you're in kind of a one of those reposition years, right? They've got some talent, but the defense has some holes. You've got the receivers. They, that may be the reason why Ty Chandler gets the bulk of the work in 2024. Now, if cousins comes back and they're spending that money on cousins, they are going to be going for a super bowl and nothing less is good for them. So that could mean bringing in a different back um solidifying that backfield and muddying it up like like uh sully said for ty chandler so he does have those he has all the risks right uh could replace him with another running back could draft a running back that's in the same tier as him which ends up cutting into his workload um or they just may not like him as much as we do because it took forever for them to use him um but as sully said so but again, a third rounder. What, what it's not going to cost you more than a third rounder for Ty Chandler right now, right? I couldn't. I can't no. imagine anybody spending more than that. Again, third rounder. I'll take it. He was the guy that I went and spent all my off-season budget on last year, in the, the leagues where he was available. I I literally dumped all my stuff because I thought he. Sh- I definitely thought he should have been playing over Madison. You know that. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. So uh. I just think he has a wide range of of outcomes but if he if he's even splitting in that backfield i could see him being a back end running back to high uh running back three with like you said weekly flex ability there
2: could they could they muddy it up by bringing cam makers back for another year probably be pretty cheap
1: depends Might on when well. he's gonna be healthy and back right he came back real fast the last time so mm-hmm. does he heal the same way and get back or this, he,
0: he tore ACL this time didn't he no Achilles again. Other one, other Achilles. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna Actually, be tough. If, for if him you have like a better chance of be. you have a better chance of ordering an Uber and finding cat makers than you do turning your TV on on Sunday next season.
2: Um
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd say
0: that. <laughs> no, he'll be on a roster eight, for sure. Chandler had eight carries in the first eight weeks of of the season last year, but when I look at his numbers, it's not like all of a sudden he took off either. Like he had two games all season with more than fifteen carries, one game over twenty. So. There's something there with O'Connell or someone in that organization that doesn't quite trust to give him everything. And I think Rick's right. If Kirk Cousins is our quarterback, we're bringing something in to go for it. And if Kirk Cousins isn't our quarterback, I still think we're drafting somewhere in that third, fourth round range where we found Chandler in the first place. Teams do that every year, right? They get to the latter part of the draft and they seem to add a load up on late round wide receivers and, and running backs. And I think the Vikings will be no different. So. I like him a lot. I just don't think he's going to be a home run as much as I want him to be
1: running backs for NFL teams are going to be, that's what they're going to do, right? They're just going to keep shooting their shot at running backs because they're cheap and they're going to be able to get them in the third, fourth, fifth round. So they're just going to, they're going to bulk it. And they're going to say, we're going to go until we hit on one of these guys. And they're our, our dude. So um, I think that's the danger for all the fringe running backs. Yep, agree.
0: And they don't care about the running back position. The NFL has proven that time and time again. They really don't care about the running back position. So just keep adding late round pieces, and it's just even that much easier to replace a guy year over year.
2: So with with Derrick Henry probably departing from the Titans, I'd imagine his his days with the Titans are done. Uh, That puts a big question mark on that backfield because obviously the Titans have been known now as like, oh, man, they utilize the running back position a lot. And TyJ Spears got a ton of work his rookie year, Uh, you know, both on the ground and in in the pass game, which is something that Derrick Henry has lacked, which is, I mean, I want to say it's capped his fantasy value. But, I mean, he's had a couple of years in the top five. So, uh, nonetheless, you know, we're not going to see. It's going to be a long time, if ever, that we see a running back with the the size and speed and skill set that Derrick Henry has coming to the league. Uh, so does Ty J. Spears slide in as, I guess, like kind of the same question we have with Ty Chandler. Does he slide in and take over the bulk of the workload? Or could the Tennessee Titans be a team that draft a running back that that maybe they they utilize you know in that same kind of tier as him? I mean, from the the limited amount I saw Ty J. Spears, and I'll be the first to say, I didn't really watch a ton of the Titans last year. Um, but you know, from the box scores and the little amount that I did see, he seemed like he's pretty efficient running back. Is this a guy that, that we think can take that jump and be maybe a high end RB two for your fantasy rosters? Or, I mean, depending on how involved he is in the past game, uh, could he sneak into that lower tier RB one, one area moving into 2024? What are your thoughts, Rick? Uh,
1: I have the same worries about Spears as I have about all these other guys. And his is a little bit different because the coaching staff's different now. Vrabel's not there. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that drafted him. I'm always worried about running backs a a lot when a new coaching staff comes in. Because if they have a different, you know, scheme, you know, wide zone versus whatever, um, then that could really hurt Spears- if it's not if it doesn't fit his skill set, right? So that I don't know about. Um I do think that he's more skilled than just about anybody on this list um of of running backs and would have probably been the number 3 running back in the class last year behind uh Bijan and Gibbs if it wasn't for the health concerns with his knees. Um yeah. so he's got the talent but with those concerns with the new coaches again I think he definitely. I don't think Titans are going out and signing a, 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 a Saquon Barkley or somebody like that. Right? It's going to be somebody in the draft. Tyje Spears is probably going to lead the backfield in touches. But even if it's somebody that comes in and takes forty percent, he's probably looking at mid mid running back two to back end running back two at the at the best. So yes, I think he could have a breakout. But unfortunately, if he had if those knees were good. I would have a completely different feel, but I just don't think mm-hmm. he's ever going to be the guy that takes the whole workload because of that specifically. And uh, with the new coaching staff, we don't even know if they like him yet or not. And that's the troublesome part in that backfield, in my opinion.
0: Well, not a guy I was crazy high on coming out and maybe it was the knees. Maybe it wasn't. It, well, it was partially, but, um, but I think he, he's pretty electric. Like he looks pretty darn good when he's got the ball. It's a kind of HN Light kind of thing. And I think that his ability to catch the football is going to benefit him because, regardless, and Rick's right, organizational changes, different mindset, different OC, different everything. When it's not your guy, more so in the NFL than any other professional sport, if the guy on the field isn't the guy that you put there, you got to worry about them. But I also think Tennessee isn't going to be very good next year and is going to throw the ball a hell of a lot more than they ever have in the past. So I think that bodes well for him. He might backdoor his way into a Duke Johnson, James White sort of back-end RB1 season. But I think long-term, when you when you look at his, his time in the next couple of years, he's a solid RB2. I think maybe Joe Mixon gets let go by the Bengals, and I, I'm just bringing every Bengal to Tennessee. But maybe he comes there or somebody like that, but I think Spears is going to be the lead guy that they bring in a compliment for. Other than Chandler in Minnesota, I think they bring in a lead guy that Chandler compliments, so I think that's the biggest difference. I will say, though, if I had a share of Tajay Spears, people are going bonkers for him right now. I would seriously consider moving off of that share because he might get a first and something for him right now. like People are going crazy because it's that old Derrick Henry. Everybody sees Derrick Henry top one, two, three running back, gone. Tasha Spears is going to get 450 touches. He's not, but and that's yeah, the, but I like him. I and, like him a lot.
1: And that's the other thing, right? With this class not having, like, I don't have a running back in my top nine, ten guys right now in Superflex. So I wouldn't take if, one in
0: the first round in a Superflex draft.
1: And, and that could definitely change, right? We could see somebody that, that, that pops out, and and you're always going to find running backs that have fantasy success in yep. drafts, no matter what. Like, there's always going yep. because they they get so much work. So many of them get work. Um, so uh, that is what's going to help with the selling point and why I think Ty, Ty J or a lot of these guys that we, we talk about today. And a lot of guys that we're not going to talk about could be sells because there's not going to be that incoming influx of guys that people are really high on. So if people are going into the season and they're thinking, I need running back they may overpay for any of these guys that look. So if you have the Zamir whites or the, the Ty J Spears or the Ty Chandlers right now, and you can move them for a good price, I would do it. And maybe somebody lands in those spots and you look like a genius. Maybe they end up being the lead guy for the whole year. Chances are they're going to, some of them are going to get hurt and and you're going to win on that anyway. But, uh, but that's where I'm at with, which is running backs, the position in general, right? We don't know where these big guys are going to end up. Derrick Henry's going somewhere and taking carries from somebody. Saquon's going somewhere and taking carries from somebody. Jacobs is going somewhere. Now I don't think that's going to be Tennessee, right? Because if you're going to do that, then just keep your guy. That's the the face of your franchise for three years. So that's why I don't see them going out and signing one of those big name running backs, but drafting one, maybe not, or maybe so.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make likely. sense
2: for a for organization rebuilding to put a bunch of money into a, a running back. Uh I but
0: agree. you know, Tiger
2: Spears did have a pretty impressive rookie year. And another rookie that, you know, we didn't really get to see a ton of uh this last season was Kendra uh Kendra Miller. Uh, you know, he started off the year injured, if I'm not mistaken. And and yeah. of course, when Alvin Kamara came back, Alvin Kamara is is a phenomenal athlete, definitely one of the best running backs in the league when he's when he's healthy, um, the Saints overall, though, were pretty disappointing this last season. You know, I thought I personally thought Derek Carr would come there at least make them decent. and They were less than decent. They had they had their moments, but super inconsistent team. Now, Alvin Kamara is still on this roster and still under contract. I mean, sure he could be let go. Another team that could just you know, I don't I don't know. They kind of got themselves stuck with the Derek Carr situation, so they're probably just going to roll with him and and maybe just keep Alvin Kamara on the roster, which definitely. Hurts Kendra Miller's ability to really get a a nice breakout season in, especially when you have a guy like that, that above him. I kind of feel more, the way I feel about Kendra Miller is how I felt about Zamir White last year after I heard Josh Jacobs uh, was tagged. Like a guy that I still want to hold on to, I still have hope for. Uh, It's just I don't know how much work we're going to see from him with Alvin Kamara still there. Uh, Obviously, we still have a lot of offseason to happen in the draft, so a lot of things can change till then. But as it stands right now, um, I'm I'm holding on to Kendra Miller, and I really think that he he's more likely to break out in 2025 than he is in 2024. Now, Rick, you added to this list, so are there some things here that you're thinking that I'm missing, or, or that something that you think will happen? You think he'll be u- utilized uh, a lot more with an aging Alvin Kamara back there?
1: I, I absolutely think they've got to use him more next year. I think that. Um, I think Kamara is also, if I'm not mistaken, Kamara is also one of the the big uh, cap casualty possibilities in the, in the NFL year. this year, because the saints, I believe are still over the cap, right? Like they have to, they have They're to
0: over cut. by like 80 million bucks. Yeah. Right? They,
1: they have to cut. So he may not be there. Um, but I think yeah. even if he is, they've always wanted to have somebody else with, Alvin Kamara, right? Like, look what they did last year. They brought in Jamal Williams, who was coming off leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns and drafted Kendra Miller. So they wanna have more than one back. They wanna utilize more than one back, but Jamal wasn't nearly as effective last year and Kendra could not get healthy for the majority of the season. And then when he finally got the opportunity at the end of the year, looked pretty good. Um, He was my number three running back in the class last year. I like him a lot. Um, but again, like A. Chan, he's got to be healthy, um, and get on the field. But I do think that if he is next year, he is a, a backmate. I think we mentioned the Detroit backfield, um, earlier, I could see that being a similar scenario with Alvin and, uh, Kendra in new Orleans.
0: I like Kendra Miller. I'm like Rick had him as my number three coming out last year. Uh, I really liked a ton of what I saw from him on his film when we watched him. And I still think that that stuff is there. His injuries started in like mini camp, like OTAs and stuff. He had some, some hammy issues and, and that stuff just carried through. But I don't know. I think, you know, jonathan williams or whatever the heck his name is it was there is like, that's not happening jamal thank you i don't think that's happening anymore there's only about 400 williams that i could pick from <laughs> yeah. he's a yeah. pretty unique and, and <laughs> like jay name, williams and jay, guy
1: and jay names though like there's a yeah. lot of yeah.
0: i like the the sunday morning shows do you think Jay will, will do good today oh uh, sure which one um, but right but <laughs> uh, i think that, up, probably. that close the book on that um i think probably the biggest piece is it it really sounds like taysom Hill is going to be the biggest cap casualty in New Orleans from what I'm reading and you think about how many rushing touchdowns that guy has hawked from us fantasy managers over the last X number of years so it sounds like Taysom's going to be cut so that's a huge benefit to every other offensive player on that team but I think Miller is 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 the second running back there and and I think he's the goal line back and I know that that Kamara has shown us the ability to punch it in from short yardage, but I think that's really what Kendry Miller does better than, than anybody else on that roster, and I could see him having a nice solid RB2 season in a complimentary role. I don't think Kamara goes anywhere. I was just looking at his numbers. He's still a $17 million cap hit unless they do post-June 1, and then he's a $1.8 million, so maybe, but I still think that that ownership and that team and Allen himself kind of thinks they can win, especially in that dumpster fire of a division. So if they can rejuvenate that offense a little bit, like you're right, Bryce, like Carr wasn't very good last year, but it wasn't very good with Dalton the year before either or the last few years of Drew Brees. So there's a lot of runway left there for improvement. And I think Miller is just a solid running back. Like I just think he's kind of old schoolish running back. Like we're talking about all these young, um smaller, fast guys. I think Miller's just kind of old school pound you through the middle you know, three to three and a half to four and a half yards per carry and score. So, and he has a little pop in the passing game too. I like, I I would add him almost more than anyone on this list. When you factor in cost because he's He's, dirt, dirt cheap, nobody wants him. And everybody thinks he's a bust, right?
1: I would. Yep. He's probably going to be my number one buy of the off season to be completely honest. I like him.
0: I just don't buy running backs, but typically when they're that cheap, you kind of have to. So. It's going
1: to be hard to draft them. So that's the tough part. It's going to be hard to draft draft running backs.
0: Yes. Yeah, you know,
2: last last year during the draft, it was kind of hard to value the running backs after the first two. You know, for me personally, and you know, Kendra Miller was your guys' number three, and he was my number four. But I'm, my number three is our last running back here, and that's that's Roshon Johnson. Um, I think if this dude didn't play for, like, wasn't Bijan Robinson's backup running back, he would have been probably drafted earlier uh, in the in the NFL draft. Um, And we got little sprinkles of him. And I thought I thought by far he was the most talented running back on the Bears roster last year. I really wish that we got to see more. I wish there wasn't a committee and it was just him and Justin Fields back there. I think that's when they were the best. Um, so I am I'm, I'm in love with Roshan Johnson. I, I would really like to see him, you know, the bears got a new offensive coordinator moving into this year. So who knows if they continue that committee approach, maybe they'll, they'll consider the committee, just Justin Fields or, you know, I guess Gail Williams could be there, whoever. And then Roshan Johnson. Um, but if it's Justin Fields, obviously they're going to be running a lot more with him. So if they could just run with Justin Fields and Roshan Johnson as their two main ball carriers, I think that, that, bodes really really well for roshan johnson fantasy wise and he can catch the ball he's very very efficient at that as well so you know as a bears fan rick i'm sure you're excited for roshan johnson i know you've been collecting his cards um so is he an easy breakout candidate for you
1: yeah i think that there's just no way that he doesn't get more work obviously what happened last year. We had three running backs that were really pretty good when they got their mm-hmm. opportunity, right? to Foreman was good when he got his, Khalil Herbert and Roshan. And, you know, Donta Foreman ended up being a, a healthy scratch the past couple game or the the last couple games of the season, and Roshan started to get worked in more and taking even more from Cleo Herbert. So I just see that continuing. Now, when we're talking about Shane Waldron coming over from Seattle, Um, you guys know I was big Zach Charbonnet guy and after Waldron came over, I seen a graphic where Seattle was the most successful when their running backs hit the hole that they were intended to hit. The problem is both running backs in Seattle had very poor vision and rarely hit the hole. And I'm talking about like way under the next worst team in the NFL. The Bears, on the other hand, with Getzee, who we talked about earlier for, you know, Zamir White, um, they hit the hole probably, I think they were like seventh or eighth in the league. And then they were like fifth in efficiency when they hit the hole. So the Bears have the running backs to capitalize on what Shane Waldron does with the run game. Um, so that's really exciting to me. Uh because the run game, even though we've been first and second over the past two years, maybe even more explosive than it has been the past couple of years. And I think Roshan is probably going to lead the backfield, even with Khalil Herbert there in touches next year. And definitely in receptions, he's a better pass blocker. He's a better receiver and he runs just as well, but he's way better at the short yardage and goal line stuff than Khalil Herbert is. So, all of that stuff leans towards Roshan. I love him. Yes, I'm collecting. I was actually just I found one of his other 101s today, um, and was talking to the guy about uh snagging that for the rainbow. Um, but you know, him and Kendra Miller and Zach Charbonnet were like literally all three, four, five, but they were like pick pick your poison. And right now. now Charbonnet's moved out of that. A chain has moved ahead of those guys probably a little bit, and then Kendra and Roshan I have right there in the same tier. Um, But I I, I like him a lot.
0: I don't really know if I have much to add, right? Like the Bears expert just kind of gave us a good breakdown there. I I think the biggest problem in Chicago from the outside looking in is they were all good, right? And um, for whatever reason, Roshan didn't seem to get the run or the leash that the other two did when they got the chance. But at the same time, I have a feeling the Bears might have been protecting their asset a little bit. And, you know, the Bears were pretty early in the season not looking like a playoff team. So what's the point of running Roshan out there and getting his doors blown off when you can run the other two guys out there that really aren't the guys that we brought into the organization and probably not a guy we're going to move on to? And I guess they did bring in form and they signed him as a free agent. But nonetheless, um, they scratched him early and they scratched him late. So there's something weird there. But Roshan's just good. And I I think he had an outside shot at being a late first round NFL drafted running back had he played behind anyone other than Bijan Robinson. He's that good. He played in front of him. Um, Because the one thing that Roshan had coming out of college that I hadn't seen from many guys is his ability to pick up the the blitz or the secondary safety or whatever as, as a pass blocker exceptionally well. And that gives him a big boost over herbert on all downs because it allows you to put him on the field be a little bit more disguised of an offense and throw the ball in first and second down as opposed to just being a third down guy so i think he's a very good buy right now i think he's absolutely going to break out and i think him and herbert both have good seasons the only part i not i'm not sure about is is how much is you know like charbonnet didn't like really get a whole lot of run last year how much of that was pete carroll because Pete Carroll's always sort of seemed to be a bell cow, which this is my guy running back, and how much of that was Waldron. So we'll see what happens when when they get going in Chicago, but they have two good running backs. Offensive line in Chicago, way better than most people thought, um, and got better as the season went on, and, and Rick will tell you how efficient they were on the ground. So uh, Roshan 100% belongs on this list, and he's probably the guy I like best next to Kendra. So I like him.
2: All right, let's pivot over to the wide receiver position, and I i mean, I'm not sure, but I, I think all of us had Jackson Smith and Jigba as the number one wide receiver coming out into, into the pros this last year. Um, yeah. Really didn't have a super exciting rookie year, but I will say things did get better. Um, you know, the last half of the year, uh, he started scoring a lot more touchdowns, getting a lot more looks, and, and, and you know, the I wouldn't say disappointing, but the lackluster usage of Jackson Smith and and Jigba wasn't really surprising to me when it comes to where he landed Um, landing with the Seattle Seahawks. They already had DK Metcalf there um, and an uh, an established veteran and and Tyler Lockett. Now Tyler Lockett seems like he's on his way out. Uh, He's getting older. Um, So they need to, they, they probably need to move forward with DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba and When you roll both of those guys out at the same time, I don't think that DK Metcalf will hold on to the number one wide receiver for that team um, spot for long. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is much more skilled as a wide receiver where I think DK Metcalf is just a better athlete, especially when it comes to size, speed, and strength. But when it comes to playing wide receiver, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best on this team, which leads him to be a breakout candidate. I expect him to have a much larger role in 2024 for the – for the Seahawks, uh, Rick, I know you were big on Jackson Smith and Jib, Well, Do you do you see him surpassing DK Metcalf as the team's best receiver?
1: Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say that DK is pretty good, uh, but uh, I I do think he has the potential to do that, and I think this year is going to be a break. I I would say Tyler Lockett gets released, right? They save like eleven million or something if he gets if they cut him. So I could definitely see it being dk and jsn and that's the the wide receiver core and and him having a big year so definitely think he's gonna have a breakout year for sure because i think he's gonna be the number two um and looking at his rookie season gino while improving greatly uh the past two years over what he was early in his career is not a guy that can sustain three wide receivers it's just he's, he's not that guy. Right. So the, all of them probably had a worse season than they probably should have because there was three of them and your quarterback can't just can't do it. Right. So um, I think Gino can definitely, we saw it the year before he lock it in Metcalf, both good. I think if you just have the two there, they can, and you do, they're going to get probably 75% of the targets. They'll eat and they'll both be good. And who ends up the number one or the two, I don't know. Um, fantasy wise, but I think they're both gonna be good. So I'm I'm definitely, yes, in on JSN as a breakout in 2024.
0: I think it's kind of funny in a way. I'm I'm sitting here chuckling at myself, looking at his numbers from last year. Um, how we've changed on our expectations of rookie wide receivers. JSN was the clear third running or third wide receiver in that offense at 93 targets last year. So like that's a shit ton of targets for a guy who's the third guy in your offense on an offense that you don't necessarily look at it as a pass friendly or first offense. I think Rick's hundred percent right. I think Lockett moves along. I think JSN slides into the one a one B role in that offense. Biggest concern I have there is, is can Geno Smith become more like he was the year before and less like he was last year. Um, but I, I just think that he's in a really good spot. And he's going to break out. He, he absolutely was my wide receiver one. Last year, and you know, it's easy to say you would take Puka Nakua over him now. But if I was redrafting that season, he would be at worst my second. So I, I like him a lot. No worries in my in my eyes. No reason to be concerned. I think his role just greatly um, elevates.
2: Yeah, I I agree. He should be in for a for a solid. Uh year year two um so let's go over one of the more polarizing guys i know that you guys have strong opinions on and i I don't really have that strong of opinion i just like to play devil's advocate advocate, because i think i have one share of this guy in like 12 leagues but quentin johnson is is nonetheless still a candidate to be a, a breakout player um let um you know depending on what the chargers do i mean it seems like Keenan Allen is going to be playing there next year. Uh, I don't know about Mike Williams. So that number two wide receiver position is kind of up for grabs. And I personally do think that Josh Palmer should be in that spot um, as their second best wide receiver with Quentin Johnston as the three. But, you know, they did invest quite a bit of draft capital in Quentin Johnston, which, you know, whether we think it's right or not, you know, sometimes draft capital still gives you opportunity um, where, you know, Josh Palmer was not a a guy that they invested a lot of draft capital on. So um, does, does Quentin Johnston have the opportunity to be a flexible asset? Because I mean, I'm not going to I no, no way shape or form do I see him as a wide receiver one. Um, and it's kind of far fetched to see him even as a low wide receiver two. but I wouldn't be surprised if he was a guy that we felt somewhat comfortable putting in our flex position um, moving forward into next year with Justin Herbert slinging the ball because Justin Herbert is Dak Prescott-esque when it when it comes to being able to... Like you said, Gino's not the guy that can feed three people, but Justin Herbert might be able to. Um, so there, the opportunity might be there for Quentin Johnson to be a flex asset. So I'll let you guys pick him apart because I know you, you're you not fans of him. Who wants to go first? Sully, you look like you're ready. I'm pumped. He um, sat up in
0: his seat. <laughs> he's like, right? Ugh. I think there's more chance that um, Quentin Johnson is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside than he is anything relevant in fantasy football. And the history of, since I've been tracking guys drafted since like 2000, if you're a rookie wide receiver, top 100 drafted guy, and you stay healthy for your entire career, or first year and you don't do anything, you almost, almost never do. And the only guy that really bucked that trend was Devonta Parker, who had one good season so i don't see quentin johnson who i didn't like coming out is looks like a body catcher to me like other than not being able to catch and run at the same time he's probably pretty good like palmer can do those things like we saw johnson drop some horrifically walk-in touchdown passes first-round talent shouldn't do that and then you add in that greg roman just became the offensive coordinator in los angeles i don't looking to move off of a lot of my chargers shares and i'm sure as shit not looking to add any quentin johnston shares who's probably still the third best wide receiver in an offense that is going to run run for
1: keenan allen mike keenan allen mike williams and josh palmer
0: well we don't know if i think i think williams Williams is gone gone. but
2: yeah, but I then don't whoever the run, whoever
0: that. the running back is, Brock Bowers when they draft him as their tight end, like Donald he might be They're drafting tackle, I'm
2: telling you, they're going to draft tackle.
0: Anyway, um Greg Roman's the biggest concern other than the fact that Quentin Johnson isn't any good. Like I think Greg Roman averages being uh, a bottom 28 passing offense every year that he's been an offensive coordinator in the NFL, and I don't see that changing and it's not good for Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, all those other guys we listed, but no, um I would I'm a further out on Quentin Johnson than I am a Bryce young. And that's all I gotta say. Fair
1: enough. I, 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 I haven't been close enough to Quentin Johnson to even be able to smell him. And he could have practiced a two a days and not taking a shower. And I still haven't been close enough to Quentin Johnson to smell him,
0: you You guys down on him. I will say that
1: always been out. You look at his college. Yes. He has every player, almost every player in the NFL has run after the catchability. They're all good.
0: That's not if you can't catch.
1: That's the only. You have to have the
0: catch to have the run after the catch. That's the biggest challenge.
1: Right, but that's the literally the only thing that he had. And when you look at his college, again, we talked about we talked about Jaihee. When you look at Quentin Johnston's last year, he had like two big games that, or three three big games that were like seventy percent of his production. One of them came against Michigan. Tough defense. Okay. After that, they were against like SMU and, and Colorado state. And it wasn't, he didn't do stuff against big teams and good defensive teams. Most of his damage was done against bottom like 80 and below defenses in college football, right? 80 to 132 or whatever they've got. So he's not, he wasn't consistent even in college. You could argue, okay, he didn't have the the biggest quarterback, but other guys were more consistent in that offense. They just didn't have the big boom weeks that uh, Quentin Johnston had. And I want to see guys that are consistent in college, especially when they don't play, especially not in the SEC, right? Like if, if, if you're not playing in the SEC, then you're going to have an easier time than anybody else. And he's not even in the big 10. Um, so I wanted to see more consistency out of him. Um, and it just wasn't there. And with so much production being in so few games and so many, like literally dud games in college, I was very, very worried about him. And again, we're looking at a smaller league now. Um, He's taller. He's got good size, but he doesn't have the speed, right? Like if you're going to be six, four anymore, you still got to have four, four speed. And I don't remember where Quentin Johnston uh, fell in, but when you watch him, he doesn't look that fast. I
0: don't know. It wouldn't Um, be that far off. Like probably uh, four or five something.
1: Oh, uh, but he doesn't look like he plays that fast, right? And that—that that was another concern for me when watching him on film. Was that you, you can run great in a straight line, but if you aren't quick on the field, um, then that's a that's an issue. So, um, I've just been completely out. And when apparently, I watched,
0: he's ran, sorry. Apparently, he's a four-three guy, but then he ran sub four-five at TCU's pro day. So who knows?
1: So yeah, so he's all he just doesn't look like he plays that fast um so you know when he gets an open field he can turn it on but like you got to be able Mm -hmm. to run your fast and and do everything fast when you're in the nfl and if you don't then you're not playing at the speed that you need to play at um yeah maybe he has a you know maybe he hits a thousand yards in a year we've seen we've seen random uh, wide receivers do that, but I just don't see him consistent. I don't see him ever being a guy that I feel comfortable putting in my lineup. He is like the poor man's Mike Williams, who we've never really been comfortable putting in the lineup week to week because we never knew what we were going to get. So that's where I'm at with Quentin Johnson. I'm completely out. I have nothing. I want nothing to
0: do with him. So real quick, we talked about JSN getting 93 targets as a rookie, and and he had Lockett and Metcalf healthy for the majority of the year. We had Mike Williams go down super early in the season last year. We had Keenan Allen banged up for the back half of the season and Quentin Johnson had 67 targets last season. Like, doesn't that say something about even how the team, and I know Justin Herbert was hurt, and they were East and stick team. and all that other stuff. Yeah. Right. But you draft a guy that early in the first round in a pretty deep wide receiver class. And you throw the ball to him 67 times. Like, to me, there's an underlying, maybe it's a work ethic thing, doesn't practice, maybe it doesn't block. There's a lot of rookie wide receivers don't get on the field if they're not going to show the ability to engage and block. I don't know. But um, I think there's a lot of negatives against a guy when you're that highly drafted and that poorly used for boding well for you going forward, especially when you're bringing in a hard-ass coach and an offensive coordinator that loves to pound the ball on the ground. So I just, I don't want anything to do with them. Well, with that in
1: Well, just one second. You said 67 yeah. targets. Yeah. So he, he barely had more than Jalen Rager had in his rookie year,
0: but th- th- those, again, that's another example of a guy who that's, was a rookie, I highly drafted, stay healthy and fizzled right out. Right.
1: And that's why, that's why I brought him up now. Well, actually, reicher only played 11 games his rookie year and had 54 targets so he was averaging five targets per game so what did quentin johnston average he played all 17 right
0: yeah he started 10 and got 67 targets so he played
1: but he played in seventeen. his
0: his, yes he did his His biggest target game was he had five catches on seven targets for 52 yards in a thrilling six, nothing win over the Patriots.
1: So he averaged 3.9 per game. Um, so he didn't even average as many as Jalen Rager. Who's one of the biggest first round wide receiver busts in the past five, six years.
0: Same That's well, rough
1: that's rough well, Same school, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Let's, I, I have, have still. So, Let's yes, let's talk. Let's talk about let's talk about another team. I'm done talking about Quentin Johnson with you guys.
0: Just, <laughs> I, I don't, really, I don't really care. I don't
2: really care too much anyway. But
0: I wonder um, if I have. I don't. If I was looking, I was going to go look for Quentin Johnson shares to sell you, but I don't think I have any. So. I only have. Anyway.
2: I only have one. I wouldn't pay much. I mean, he, heck, even in the even in the league that I got him, it was the league I won, and I think I only bought him for like four percent of my my budget. It was like forty. Yeah, bucks. there
0: you go. That no, was you he know, probably was gave like, you a four percent like, of your 90%. productivity.
2: He, he started one week for me, and I think it was the week he played the Patriots, so he did all right. Um, uh, so we'll put, let's pivot over to another team. Like, you know, we were talking about Quentin Johnson's speed. Let's go to his fast wide receiver on a team that I think somebody needs to step up as the number two uh, in Jamison Williams. I would say, you know, in that playoff game, I know people want to blame Dan Campbell's gambling for the loss, but Dan Campbell was doing that all year, so he stayed true to what he was doing, who I think lost in that game Wait. is Craig Renn.
1: Wait, 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 I just want to say, because this keeps me in the argument. When you do that stuff in the regular season, you don't go home. When you when you when you play that way and you miss in the week 14, you yeah, are sent home for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, but there's a big, that,
1: big, big, big difference between Yeah, but, the but it's all
2: subjective. It's subjective. What if he lines up for the field goal, the kicker misses it, then he's gonna get blamed for not doing what he was doing all year that was successful, right? So it's all it was, it's all it's all It's all bad when it doesn't work out and it's good when it does, right?
0: I love Dan Cavill and I think most people do, but the writing was on the wall or the the tea leaves or the red flags or whatever the saying is. When he went for that two-point conversion in Dallas from like the nine-yard line, I was like, okay, that's a little bit crazy. His game management of that game in the NFC Championship is the reason they lost that football game. And I get it. He is who he is and it is what he does and good for him, but he shit the bed. And it is what it
2: is. I'll put anyway. I'll put, I'll put I'll put fifty on Dan Campbell. I'll put fifty right on Craig Reynolds. Craig Reynolds had two catchable, one really easy drop. Oh, Josh. And another Josh. Reynolds. Josh Reynolds. Josh, sorry, 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 Josh Reynolds. Thank you. They have. Josh yeah. Reynolds Had two two plays that would have also probably won them that game, and they were both. One was a little bit more of a difficult catch. One was routine that he should have easily caught on fourth down to extend those those gutsy calls, right? That or would have made those gutsy calls a great a great play call when it was all said and done, right? If it, if it was executed, but nonetheless, you know, Josh Reynolds disappointed. Jamison Williams has been usage has been a little bit confusing to me. I don't know, you know, I don't really look too much into it because I mean, I'm fantastic, right? They got that solidified number one and that number two receipt. They don't really have a guy outside of Sam Laporta and, and uh, Amon-Robert that's consistently stepping up, and it seems like every time Jamison Williams gets the opportunity, he seizes it. Right? So does he does he become a breakout candidate for that team? I'm not sure what um, Josh Reynolds' contract looks like, um, or, or anything like that. But it seems like the more talented receiver is Jamison Williams. Could he get more involved in that exciting offense for the? for the lions or do we kind of get something similar to like, I guess, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about Dallas Goddard and the sense of, is there too many mouths to feed where we struggle to see consistent performances outside, maybe the top two pass catching threats and maybe the running backs as well, that are also involved in that in the past game. Well, I guess just Jameer Gibbs, but nonetheless Um, could, could, does Jameson Williams get the opportunity to be a consistent fantasy producer? Is he going to be a guy that just, he's probably going to have those good weeks when he's on your bench.
0: I think consistency is the key word there. I don't think so. I think, you know, we touched on it earlier how the NFL seems to be getting a little bit smaller and, and faster. I think the, from what I'm seeing is, is the offenses are taking less and less field stretching, deep targets as well. And, and you look at an offense like Detroit and, and Johnson staying there as the offensive coordinator. They love their over the middle, underneath, attacking zone type plays that Amon-Ra and sam laporta thrived in you have two running backs that are equally i won't say equally talented because i think gibbs is a more talented montgomery but montgomery is a damn good running back and you have a really good quarterback that's comfortable going on long sustained drives and i don't think jameson really factors into that that much as his role in the offense and i was sell Jamison Williams, get out while you can uh, earlier in the season. And I've softened on it a little bit, but I think his target high this season was seven. So I don't think he's going to be a big PPR guy for you. And I don't think he's going to necessarily be a big touchdown guy for you. So I think he's a flex guy. And I think, so does he break out? I don't know. I guess if he's going to break out from where he is at now, like he struggled to stay on the field, he had his gambling suspension, he has all these other crazy things, but um, if he can give you a full seventeen game season, he's probably a top thirty-six wide receiver. So I think probably breaks out. Rick?
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna add a lot here. I think Jamison Williams is very talented. I think that he was kind of uh one of the more what's the word I'm looking for? Like he needs a little more time than a lot of the the first rounders that we've seen over the past few years, in my opinion, because he wasn't like heavily uh he, he was stuck behind some guys at Alabama. Um did did pretty well, but he also had some some other studs there. Um, so the, the tough part is that there's so many different weapons and they are not afraid to spread the ball around. Obviously, Amon raw is gonna get his, you know, 12 targets a week or whatever he gets, but um they're not afraid to to spread the ball around. I do think that he could very well be their number two wide receiver. Laporta, their number two pass catcher, um, mm-hmm. probably, but, uh, their offense is really good. And I think they're only going to get better the longer they play together and, um, the longer they figure each other out. So I'm definitely on board with, uh, him having a breakout year. Like you said, first year, I didn't even expect him. He's coming back from that injury. takes a while to get your legs under you. a so rookie year. I didn't really care about anything that happened this year. Obviously your team gets going without you. And you're sidelined for making a legal bet in the wrong, like (laughs) the the wrong space. That's literally all that he did. And he got he lost six games. Um, So, you know, then you're behind the ball with everybody. And then the way they used him though, and the way they trusted him in that playoff game leads me to believe that he is going to get more opportunity next year. And if he seizes that opportunity, it could be, I mean, he could, he has the upside to be, uh, a monster. He could be a back end wide receiver one, uh, maybe not next year, but in the future, um, because he's got that physical talent. It'll just have to see how it plays out.
2: Yeah. Speaking of a guy that we we know, I think we all can agree that Drake London can be a top wide receiver in the NFL. Um, he had the double shitty combo of both quarter bad quarterback play and um, bad coaching when it came to the, utilizing the talent on the team with Arthur Smith. Um, both of those things are probably going to be different here moving into 2024 with Atlanta has to figure something out at quarterback and they they now have the uh, new coach um, from the from the Rams defense corner I can't think of his name but uh Raheem Morris Yes, Raheem Morris, thank you. Uh do we see Drake London being the focal point of that that offense? I mean, obviously we got Bijan there and, and Kyle Pitts as well. Bijan and Drake London should be the focal points moving forward, and, and Drake should be the uh, number one target for whatever quarterback takes goes into there. Um who knows who it's gonna be? Could it be Kirk Cousins? Could it be Justin Fields? Could it be a rookie they trade up to draft? Could they draft one of stay where they're at and draft? Outside of those top three guys, uh, that probably won't fall fall that far. I think we can all agree we expect better QB play nonetheless. Um, Is Drake London an easy breakout candidate for you guys? Do you see him eclipsing, maybe getting into the top 12 this upcoming season? Or does it, I guess it depends who falls there, right? Because if it's Kirk Cousins, I would say Drake London is going to be a top 12 fantasy producer in, in 2024 and I'd even probably say that if Justin Fields landed there but when you're when you're talking about a rookie quarterback that's when things can get a little bit murky depending on which one they get uh what are your thoughts on, on Drake Lennon Sully I
0: think he just needs basic average quarterback play Kirk Cousins takes him to a whole new level Justin Fields takes him to a whole new level hell Ryan Tannehill would take him to a whole new level he had, what did he have, 117 and 110 targets in his first two seasons, but his catch rate is low. Why is his catch rate low? Not because he's not a good wide receiver. It's because the passes weren't catchable. And, and Raheem Morris, apparently one of his first comments as in his press conferences was to talk about Bijan Robinson and Drake London. So I have all the confidence in the world in Drake London. I'm a little bit happier that he might be a little easier to buy this offseason than he has been in the past, but I think he is um, – Mike Evans, like Keenan Allen, like, like I think he's that talented that he can be that relevant for a long, long time. He just needs to get her going. And I think he will this season.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I see him as a guy that could go to 1200 receiving yards. He only had two touchdowns in 2023. He only had four in his rookie year. So there's upside in the touchdown department And their offense should be good. If they, even with worse quarterback play, uh, or not worse quarterback play, but even with the quarterback play they've had, the offense should still be better. Um yes. And and I see him, I do see him having a big year three breakout. I love Drake London. Um, I'm
2: looking forward to it, so I'm on board, 100%. All right. Let's talk about a guy that um, kind of gave us, you know, progressed throughout the season, uh, ended the you know regular season really, really strong and is going to be playing in the Super Bowl tomorrow, uh, Rasheed Rice obviously in the most exciting position, every, every time there's an off season or free agent, you know, it was like this when Brady was in New England, everyone wants them to go to every pat. They always want pass catchers to go to the chiefs, right? Well, that hasn't really worked out the past couple of years, right? Since Tyreek Hill left, but Rasheed Rice getting drafted there. What looked at first to be, you know, continuing that trend, but man, as the season progressed and near the end of the year, he has looked really, really impressive. Um, so I think we've, can he can he continue that momentum into twenty twenty four? Do we think the Chiefs still bring in a guy to still be the number one wide receiver? Does does Drake will Drake London take that step to be that team's best receiving option um, outside of Travis Kelsey in twenty twenty four? If Travis Kelsey does uh, continues playing into twenty twenty four, can
1: he keep the momentum? No, and the reason why is because not only will they bring in one guy but they're probably going to bring in multiple guys at the wide receiver position. They just had like, I think it was one of the most, uh, uh, one of the seasons with the most drops by wide receiver group ever. Um, nobody beyond rice in the wide receiver group is somebody that you can trust. You can't trust MVS. You can't trust Michael Hardman. You can't trust sky Moore. You can't trust Justin Watson. Like you, you literally have there he is. No,
0: Tony, There's Tony, There to is Tony, Tony.
1: <laughs> well, he's not. I mean, I don't even count him. He's not even dressing with that squad, right? He's a he, that dude, scratch. And,
0: and, that dude is insane.
1: But hey, uh, for
0: all the things I've gotten wrong, at least as I was right about him. i wrong still about
1: content. Him. Same thing with, with Claypool. They've got the talent. It's just, it's all here. And that's yeah, the, the it's Jameis definitely Winston, here with it. All here, right? So um, that's the hard part. We don't get to evaluate these guys on their brain. And, and the way they work and, and everything else. So, uh, no, I don't think you can keep the momentum going. I think we could see them bring in, literally everybody behind him could be replaced in that wide receiver group, yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised. So that's the really, really, really hard part. Um, I do think he's good. I do think he's going to be, um, he's probably going to have a better season, so you may consider it a, a breakout, but I think people that want him to be the number one, he may be, but it's not—he's not, not going to dominate as the receiver as he has the past six or seven weeks of the year, right? Like they're going to have more options and they're going to figure that out. Andy Reid's too good. Patrick Mahomes doesn't give a shit. He'll spread it around. We saw Kelsey not be involved for uh, the back third of the season, right? Like they don't care who it is. They're going to throw the ball to whoever will catch it and or uh, don't catch it. <laughs>
2: they'll still well, throw it to them when you have to but i mean when <laughs> yeah. you, when you
1: bring in a new group you hope that some of the guys can catch and that's right. the only thing i like rashi rice a lot i do um think that he's probably going to be a sell because people are going to expect him to be the dude and i wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they tried to bring in a t higgins or a mike evans or um mm-hmm. if they drafted multiple guys in the nfl draft at receiver um so that's the hard part with rashi rice for me i like him I just don't know what they're gonna do but i know they have to do something
0: yeah i think without question they're going to sign at least one guy and draft at least one significant guy this class coming up is too deep at the wide receiver position to overlook it yet again i think that what i find interesting is rasheed rice in kansas city is not who he was at smu he was a field stretching wide receiver that they used with the deep game and i think kansas city didn't really trust him a lot early in the season like he didn't get a ton of snaps didn't play a lot and then when it became clear that no one on the team could even catch a cold that maybe we should give this guy a try and he but he elevated his game um based on his ability with yards after the catch i think kansas city i could go on but forever and i'll be quick but i think kansas city could very easily lose andy Reid and and travis kelsey after this super bowl and then that changes everything there, but I have never seen a team in my entire life with the worst pass catchers in the Super Bowl than this one and Rice is leading it. So um, I think that uh, he has the ability to, to break out over where he was last season, but not into like the upper echelon.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree. Um, I'm, that's the thing I worry about too. Well, I don't I don't really worry about it, but I think that Kansas City definitely brings in guys, and it's going to be guys that are that are veterans that are going to you know eat in, not necessarily eat in, but they're going to be more efficient in in the sense of Pat Mahomes is, is going to target them more than than Rasheed Rice. It, it seems like he's in the perfect storm to get a lot of work as a rookie that you know he wouldn't be getting in. in Pretty much every other opportunity outside of maybe a couple more uh, in the NFL. Um, so let's talk about a guy that probably wouldn't be on this list if he played the full season in Tank Dell, right? this guy was was blowing up. Uh, cJ Stroud, obviously due to the credit to CJ Stroud, he had Nico Collins and Tank Dell as two top fantasy assets, both at the same time when both were healthy. um i'm I'm expecting Tank Dell. You know, I, what I'm really wondering is, does Tank Dell, who's the number one on that team? Will it be Tank Dell, Will it be Nico Collins? Or will it just, like, change every other week? That's what I think is more likely. Like, I think one week it's going to be Dell, one week it's going to be Nico Collins. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if that team brings in another wide receiver as well. Um, but does, does Tank Dell continue what we were seeing from last year? Or does kind of the more of a, that emergence that Nico Collins had once tell – Tank Dell left, and the possibility they bring in a wide receiver maybe put Tank Dell on the back burner as a potential breakout candidate into twenty twenty four. What do you think, Rick?
1: All I'm gonna say is that as long as Tank Dell's on the field, he's gonna be good, and he's probably the number one in Houston. And it's just the the only reason why he's on this list, like you said, is because he was hurt. If he would have played yeah. the whole year, he would have already had his breakout. I fully expect him to break out, and it could be in a really big way with CJ Stroud, as long as Stroud doesn't have the sophomore slump that you talked about earlier. So that's, yep. I love Tank Dell. I wish I had some. I was late to Tank, the party. Tanker Nico
2: is the team's number one. Who do you think?
1: I think Tank's the number one. I think yeah. Nico really good too, though. I think yeah. Nico was somebody that is one A one B kind of underappreciated. Kind of um, was better than we thought, and those two are going to be good receivers with with CJ shot for a long time. So health health is the it's a Chan, right? It's it's the same thing. If he's healthy, he's good.
2: I agree.
0: Yeah, uh, we, I think Houston, it's more likely to add a running back or something to complement the offense than they are another wide receiver. I think that uh, anytime you have a, a quarterback who's pounding the table at the draft to draft a guy and then they draft the guy and then you see what they did together. I'm all in on Tank Dell. It doesn't happen very often, but I wouldn't be surprised if both Tank Dell and Nico Collins knock on the door of being top 12 fantasy wide receivers next season. So, give me all the Tank Dell I can get. And like Rick, I got none. I missed that boat. Yeah, so I did sad, I, too. I did so too. And I was I, I was I was
2: telling people to draft Tank Dell and I just didn't get him. So, that was Those are always the hardest, right? When you pump up a guy, but
1: every one of your drafts, like you're in the wrong spot in the draft where you could have got him. Where you were at in another draft, and it's like, damn it! If I would have picked eight here instead of ten, I would have got him. But over here, he was available at ten, but I didn't pick, and I didn't have a first rounder. It's just like, oh man, I'm I'm upset I I missed him.
0: I'd like to say that was my problem, but it wasn't. I wasn't. That wasn't, wasn't even my problem. Radar. He wasn't that, even on my radar. He yeah. was on mine either.
1: Him or he
2: was on mine for that exact story you were just talking about, Sully. When when because I heard it early and I was like, oh, dude, yeah. that's gonna you don't you don't you that doesn't happen and and then like not be especially with opportunities there. So, right. Yeah, That's that was a bummer for me. Um. All right. Let's let's finish off the wide receivers with the guy with the highest ceiling of all the guys we talked about so far, and that's Garrett Wilson. It's kind of weird putting him as a breakout player right? He was uh offensive did he get yeah, he got rookie of the year uh last year. Mm-hmm. Um pretty much is already quarterback proof. His first two years in the NFL has has had the worst quarterback play probably of any wide receiver. Uh but yet has produced yeah. and and that's that's what is makes him so great that he's still on this breakout list after that because this guy can be wide receiver 1 and I don't think any of us would really bat an eye to it. Um, and next year is definitely a possibility with with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Um, he, he Aaron Rodgers even said like I played with a great number seventeen my whole career, and this Garrett Wilson's a really really good number, another good number seventeen. So um, I think that they already have a bond and, and, and a connection, and I expect them to be a really really good duo next year. I I am I am predicting Garrett Wilson is a top five. Fantasy wide receiver next year, and it would not surprise me one bit if he ended the season as the number one fantasy producer at the wide receiver position. Anybody disa? Who you disagree with that, Sully?
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, but <laughs> uh, being number five? No. Being number one? Yes. I think there's well, four it's guys. It's unlikely, but I think four guys. Me. I think there's four guys that I have a tier ahead of them, and it's Jefferson. Talent, Chase. talent-wise, or Wham- just.
2: Do you think, well, I think Jefferson, or I
0: Chase, Lamb are just as talented or more talented? Yes. Okay. I would put it like, for sure or more, but I mean, I sure. Yeah, okay. But in fairness to, to Garrett Wilson, he has basically, like you said, had just absolute dog shit he, for quarterback, play. quarterback play. Chase has had Burrow. Jefferson's had cousins. Lamb's had Dak. Like, and you know, and Wilson has, has nothing. Sack. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy talent. We talked about this show before, like when I watched hard knocks and I watched him and sauce go head to head. I fell in love with both of those guys. You just see how much fun they have, how hard they work and how talented they are. You give him Aaron Rodgers, He has the ability to be a top five wide receiver easy. So he won't break out. He'll shatter whatever he does. If he has a decent amount of quarterback play.
1: Um, There's only two wide receivers in the NFL right now that I would take over Gary Wilson. If I was in a, in a startup uh, i'll agree. take him ahead of cd lamb i said Ooh. last year with aaron Rodgers, the whole whole season we would literally be talking about garrett wilson as potentially one of the the three jamar chase justin jefferson and um garrett wilson next year at this time i think we're going to be talking about four guys and it's going to be those three with marvin harrison jr um i think garrett wilson is as talented as anybody and he has had the worst quarterback play in a two-year stretch than I've seen any wide receiver of his caliber have, I think. Um, It's been bad. We've seen other bad quarterback play where you could still get yards, right? Jameis Winston throwing 30 and 30 and 30 um, could get the ball down the field though, and those guys could get rack up the stats. Um, Garrett Wilson wasn't even in a position where he could really rack up stats because the quarterbacks couldn't do shit. So-
0: He did great with what he
1: had. Yeah, like, what he, what he did with them. You give him a competent quarterback. This dude, I think, could lead the league in in yards. Could be the number one fantasy wide receiver in football. Um, I'm I love Garrett Wilson, and I hate that I like so many freaking Ohio State wide receivers, but they just keep spitting out the the badasses. They um, do. And and you, you won't hear me say anything bad about Garrett Wilson. Um, and he could he could go for 1700 yards next year wouldn't surprise me uh with a healthy Aunt aaron Rodgers. it would surprise me if he did it was zach wilson if Rodgers went down again but um yeah. but
2: dude's, a beast. Won't be like, zach dude's a beast. dude's a
0: beast yep y'all you know, it's all right cd Lamb, but that's a story for another day
2: i like i like cd but i just <laughs> need not replace yeah, him garrett him. wilson i think garrett wilson does everything he does if not a little bit better i wouldn't it, i mean that's all. That's all it is. It'll be in a different style a little bit, yeah, but for sure. I mean, yeah. All
0: right.
2: All right. Let's pivot to the last position group, the tight end. We only have a couple guys we're going to talk about. Um, we'll save the best. We'll save the best for last. Uh, so we'll start with uh, Dalton Kincaid for the, um, for the Buffalo bills. Uh, so we really saw him, you know, increase in production when when uh, Dawson Knox went down and I, I was a little, I, I like Dalton Kincaid coming out of, um, out of college, he was my second favorite tight end in this draft. Um, honestly, my my first one was a miss, and that was Michael Mayer. But you know, the jury's still out on him, not I'll yet. Give him a couple of years, yeah, yeah, he's of got course. time, but he's yeah. not he's, gonna be
1: the number one. I think Laporta is gonna be the number
2: one, yes, yeah, Laporta, sure, Laporta's does. blowing them all out Man, of the water, yeah. so he Laporta maybe a miss
1: is number one, but I still think Mayer could be a pretty good tight end,
2: yeah. But Dalton Kincaid, um, when Dawson Knox went down, I think showed everyone what he was capable of as a pass catcher he was pretty pretty efficient in that in that role and and josh allen started targeting him a lot and i think without dawson knox there he was he was really really good and a and a a guy you felt comfortable starting every week dawson knox kind of came back and ate back into his production which was kind of strange because the talent is is very different Kincaid is much better um so i'm not sure if dawson knox is still going to be on the roster next year i'm not sure what his contract situation is um, but another year under the belt with, with Josh Allen losing his number two receiver and Gabe Davis could kick, kick the door open on, on uh, Dalton Kincaid. If they're not able to find a suitable wide receiver two to replace him, or if they have to draft a rookie to do so might again, take some time. Hey, there's,
1: there's talk. They could trade Stefan Diggs too, yeah.
2: right? Yeah. But that's, that's every off season, Stephon Diggs has thought about trading every off season, I feel like it's, uh, uh Knox,
0: uh, Knox isn't going anywhere. Okay. Knox sure enough, may
1: not be nice going anywhere, but Dalton Kincaid's the guy, and Dalton Kincaid right. could, yes. should is likely the number two option this passing game next year. Obviously, they if they do keep digs or tr- trade him, whatever, they are going to have to bring in some more wide receivers. But I think Dalton Kincaid is in for a big 2024 second year tight end um, season. So I'm. You I'm on top five. Right top five, probably not. I think. Tight, I think tight ends okay. getting lengthened right now. I think we have a lot of, a lot of solid um, tight ends in the league right now. So where I would put him number wise, I don't know, because like I said, I think Brock Bowers comes in and is probably top five right off the bat. I think he's that good um, at the tight end position. And then you've got the, the stalwarts, the Kelsey's, the Andrews, the Kittles that could be in there. Um, you know, Cole Komet was up there for a majority of this year. If he improves
2: more, um, Let's McBride
1: play, do up.
2: Unless Kyle Pitts ends up in, in Chicago. Right. They in could the both do it. They, yeah.
1: they could both, they could both be good in that offense. Especially if you don't go, you're right, not getting dude. Marvin Harrison. If you do that, right. Because you're taking right. Caleb Williams, if you trade trade fields. So, um,
0: can't have everything.
1: So, I, I think it's hard for me to put numbers on the tight end position right now because it's one, it's so volatile, but there's so many more names now than we've seen in a long time. Tight end it positions is. coming up. And um, I think most leagues are going to have to go to a, a tight end premium or a two tight end uh, type of league because the, the tight end positions becoming more and more and more and more relevant um, in the NFL, just period with the, with the way these offenses are working. So Um, it's hard for me to put that number on. Um, but I, I think that he's a guy that's capable of doing that for sure.
0: Um, I would argue that Dalton Kincaid broke out in his rookie season. He finished as a top 12 tight end, which is not easy to do as a rookie. And I know this season, it was a little bit different because of Sam Laporta, but prior to this recent rookie pop, um, Kyle Pitts did it as a rookie. Uh, Evan Ingram did it as a rookie, but not very many guys do it as a rookie. So I think Dog Kincaid has already broken out. And I I would have him off the top of my head, obviously, if Kelsey continues or not, um, changes it, but I would have him probably in my top five next year for sure. I I just don't, I don't know what else he needs to do. I think that, you know, maybe Diggs moves away. Maybe he doesn't. Gabe Davis is almost for sure gone. I think Khalil Shakir is going to have a bigger role in that offense. But Kincaid is a He's a big slot receiver, right? He's not a traditional inline tight end, so and he's really good. So, I think he's fine.
2: Yeah, an exciting offense. So, any any uh yeah. any tight end on an offense that can score is always exciting. Um Yeah. So, all right, let's let's end it with our last guy. Hopefully, he'll be a fourth-year breakout player, um Kyle yeah. Pitts. Uh He sinks. Sucks. Uh, again- <laughs> Again, we can say – I mean, I'm, I'm not really going to say a ton of this because everything that I could say about – everything I said about Drake London can literally apply to Kyle Pitts, right? I mean, coach, the usage, and then, that, you know, uh, quarterback play, all that that we just talked about on on, on Drake London earlier is, is the same excuse I, I can throw out there for Kyle Pitts. I think he's extremely talented. Um, I know there was, like, a video going out last year that showed, like um, – if Kyle Pitts had a good quarterback and he was like wide open on like a bunch of different routes with, with a ton of opportunity to, to get more rack with it. So uh, I I don't think talent's an issue. I think it's just usage and and quarterback play. So I expect him to have his best season so far in 2024. I think the coaching staff and it will utilize him properly. So I'm going to throw my eggs one more time in the Kyle Pitts basket
0: and hope I'm right. So are you joining me? If I had any shares of Kyle Pitts and I don't anymore, um I would be selling Did him I hard and fast I think so Did I, take Second, your last I, one? I had two and I traded one to you and I traded one straight up for Kelsey okay. um, but but I'll say this um, I would be selling him hard and I'd be selling him fast. and nobody likes Kyle Pitts more than I do. But the biggest difference yeah, between do.
1: after mm. you just said all that, there are people
2: that like. There's, him there's definitely people now. I like him
0: more than you now. Well, <laughs> but but I'm not selling him because I don't like him. I'm selling him because other people like him as well. Okay. But the point that I think I'm trying to make here, if I can get there, is the difference between Drake London and Kyle Pitts. More than anything, in my opinion, is health, and I think Kyle Pitts's knee is a big big deal, and he hurt it in his second season. He suffered with it all last season and I'm just worried that he's a Juju Smith Schuster type tight end now and that he has just lost everything that he had that made him so attractive. He had a thousand yard season as a rookie. He had over a hundred targets as a rookie. He caught one touchdown. And if he would have caught five, six, like a normal tight end would on that volume, even 10, I'd have maybe would have been right for about five minutes. But I just think he's, he's, he's dangerously close to becoming not irrelevant, but pedestrian. So I love him like a brother, but I'm looking to get out if I had any skin left in the game.
1: I honestly don't know where I'm at with Kyle Pitts. I really don't. I don't know if it's, uh, he's not as good as we thought. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's quarterback play. All those questions are still there though, for me. Because we don't know about this coaching staff, we don't know who their quarterback's gonna be, don't know if he's as good as we thought he was going to be. So none of those have been answered yet. Right now, if the public thinks that all the changes that have been made are going to propel him to that breakout, uh, because I would say he broke out his rookie year with a thousand yards as a as a tight end. But if we're talking You know him going up to 1200 yards or whatever it is or more touchdowns whatever um i would i would question that pretty heavily um because all the questions i think we had are still there um so i like kyle pitts i thought he was more talented again me and me and sully had our debates but it was never for me it was never about kyle pitt's talent um it was purely about fantasy value and where Mm-hmm. Uh, you're rarely ever gonna get a tight end that has top five startup value in fantasy
0: you and, won't for me again
1: and jamar Chase in that class I thought could be the number one and you know what he's probably number two number three for most and non super flex but um that was my big reason it was just because the the value upside in fantasy you were you're you're literally looking it in the eye and saying i'm giving that up um so I hope he does. And especially if if the bears do make a trade and bring him in, I hope he does. Um, But I'm just, I really don't know right now. And I don't know where the public is on him. And if they are real high that he's going to bounce back or break out or whatever you want to call it, then I'm probably on board with Sully with him being a sell. If most people think that they're not as warm on him, they're trying to get something out of him before it goes worse, then I might be on the buy side. I just cop is the one i can't figure out right now
0: i'll probably do hard both enough. i'll probably try to add a couple and well i don't have any left to sell but i'll probably try to add one or two but i'm not paying well, much for it
1: it's still both you already did the one side so now it's just this the second side coming in so
2: did you have anything to add there bryce no no i i think i i agree with you like it's kind of fun we see it right here and i think that he is a hard guy to value um, right now, like I'm kind of high on him, so he's obviously off of him. You don't know, so I think that oh. I think that's going to be a good representation
0: of the public, too. He's still going to be a top 10 to 12 tight end dynasty rankings for me. I don't know how he can't yeah. be, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not, it's not Bryce Young and Quentin Johnston level of I'm out. I'm just right, I'm soft, I've softened, and right, right, right. I'm fully comfortable with saying that. Having Kyle Pitts ahead of Jamar Chase was the wrong call. Um, I still think having him ahead of Najee Harris might have been the right call, but um, time will tell. I just, uh, I was more into the positional advantage this guy is going to give in fantasy football, and he's going to be a 1,200 yard receiving tight end with eight to 10 touchdowns a year, being a top 12 wide receiver playing tight end. That's what I saw from him. And that's why I put him where I put him. It hasn't come to fruition. So I was wrong. It's okay. It'll happen maybe it'll, again. Maybe it will do
2: it once you sold them all.
0: And I'd be happy to come back and say, look at me. I was right. That's not happening. Unless Jamar Chase decides he doesn't like football anymore and wants to retire. That's not happening. So,
1: all right. Well, if you want to watch our bounce back players that we covered on last week, you can watch that right here. And we will be back next week with I don't know what, but it'll be good.